All right, welcome to the regular G.I. Joe podcast. Today I have my boy with me, uh, Brian Ogunaya, or as I call him, Obi. Yeah. Uh, and we go way back, I mean, what, 07, I think is uh, yeah, yeah. we met. And so today we're going to have you on, and you're actually active duty military. Yep. And so the, the normal podcast or the normal conversations we have is actually the transitioning. But what I want to talk about is kind of just everyday life. Right. Um, you know, mil- military has a thing of making it seem like everybody's special forces or, you know, it's, it's, it's all these people that are doing these crazy jobs. Right. Uh, and you don't have that job. No. You know? So I kind of want to get a take on, you know, if you can just talk about, you know, what year you came in, what it was like, and kind of what life has been like so far. Yeah, man. Um, so I, I think you hit around the head. You know, a lot of times people think that uh, being in the military is kind of like the movies. But, um, um, you know, since my experience and I think our experience has been a little bit different, you know, back when I came in um, early 2008, actually, is when I came in um, and we met overseas in Japan. We work in the engineering uh, background. A lot of it's almost kind of like a nine to five. The only difference was uh, we were, you know, kind of stationed overseas with it. Uh, I think when you really feel like you're in the military, when those deployments happen, right? Like, because the, the the nine to five is really just you know you put on your uniform, you, you come to work, you take care of projects, uh, you fix buildings, etc. You process a bunch of paperwork, right? But um, uh, from a day to day standpoint, it, it didn't feel much different uh, than it definitely didn't feel like what I expected it to be when I when I was you know watching movies as a kid, man. Um, but uh, but I will say this: it was easily probably the best decision I made in my life, man. Um, I didn't realize that I was going to stay in for 10 plus years, but I feel like I've, it's, it's allowed me to mature a lot, you know? So when you're talking about the maturity and I, I love when we know the same people because right now where you're at, you know, people know you where you're at, where you're like a high performer, yeah. you know, you're, you're that go-to guy, golden boy. Um, but I knew you when you were a dumb shit, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, facts. You know, yep. right. So yep. You know, if you can, you know, once I'll tell a real story, quick story about you is like we're in we're in Japan and uh, I, f- I remember you didn't want to pay for insurance. Yep. So you didn't have insurance and you got busted I'm for that. Frugal to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were even taking like the toilet paper issue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, what I mean, when it goes to something like that, wh- how did you have that change where you went from a kid who didn't care about having insurance, didn't understand the consequences of things to right. where you are now where people can't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember, yeah, I, I didn't, um, I thought I was getting over on the system. Right. So I, I bought insurance for a month and I kept the paper for it, but I didn't renew it. Um, and then I ended up getting caught for it. But I think it's really, um, you know, when I came in, I came in young, uh, my, my mom actually had to sign it off. I, I officially joined when I was 17, but by the time MEPS and all that, I, I was like fresh 18. Um, by the time I got to my first duty station. Um, but I think it's really just time. And, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough in my career to to progress fairly quick. And I think once you kind of get thrown in those situations when you're leading individuals and, and the military, um, being a boss in the military isn't the same thing as being a boss in the civilian world. Like they expect you to be a, bo- a, a parent, a boss and like a fucking counselor, too. Right. So once you're leading other uh, men and women. Um, whether you're young or not, uh, it kind of forces you to, to mature. You know what I mean? And um, that and plus, you know, the environment we were in when we were single, you're around other immature motherfuckers playing video games and um, not really having a care in the world. It's really just, hey, how can I, um, you know, make it to the weekend, a party some more. And then then you, you change from that. You get married and then no, you're not around your friends as much. You kind of have time to, to, you know, look internally. And you realize, hey, man, this is my values. I got, I got a kid to worry about. Now I got two kids to worry about. So I think that really played a big role um, in, in, in my development. Yeah, because, I mean, I saw you 
when I saw you when you were fresh off the airplane, and I picked you up, uh, and right? you're in your blues. Yeah, traveling overseas in yeah. blues. Um, we didn't know where you were at. You know, we almost like we're gonna throw a wall at you because <laughs> you didn't respond to an email. You know, random stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. you know, and and seeing that development where when I went back to you know when I went back to work for the same you know we worked in the same organization. Yep. And seeing the, the the man you became, I was like, wow! Like I knew, you know, I knew you had grown up, but I didn't know you became that guy. What are some of those things that beyond marriage, having kids, that you saw that actually helped as well, like eternally? I man, honestly, um, and I don't know. I, I wish I could kind of pinpoint point where this came into, man. But I really got into um, just um, self development. I just kind of it started with reading a few, um, or really listen. I'm not really that. That much of a, a reader. I, I force myself to, but I prefer listening to audiobooks. And then once I I started listening to those on the ride home, or um, you know, in the morning working out, etc., kind of became addicted to them, right? Um, and then I really just got deep into self improvement. So a lot of those books, I know some people don't really believe in. You can learn from a book. You have to kind of learn from doing it. I, I believe there's a balance of both. But I do think um, those that that hunger for you know those self development books, I was able to pull little pieces from there. You know what I mean? And one thing that I learned. As you know, I used to try to kind of make benchmarks for myself. I need like listen to 12 a year. Now I'm more of a like, I want to make sure I fucking understand when I'm actually, you know, getting in. And I even re-listen to old stuff because once you, once you get older, I feel like they, they hit a little bit different when you're more mature enough to kind of grasp it. Some of the stuff might've went over my head when I was younger. So I really would, 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 would put a lot of the, the, the credit towards that. And, and of course, uh, you know, mentors around, you know, um, whether you, whether you, you realize it or not indirectly, you've definitely been a good example for me. You know what I mean? Um, I, I try to pull from, from like a little, little bits of all the individuals around me to, you know, put in my own tool bag. So what's one book that you thought that really helped set it up for you? Man, there's a lot, man. There's a lot. My, um, probably the biggest one I'd say, uh, to kind of the one that kind of got me in, in the mindset of, of reading a bunch was called the four hour work week. Uh, I think that was, it was different, man. It, it definitely showed you how uh, to kind of think outside the box. That was huge. Um, the most one, like the, the the most impactful one I've read as of late, probably the next the last five years was uh, Can't Hurt Me by Dave Goggins, man. That shit was, I've probably listened to it about three times, you know, um, just just talking about, just, just really telling you how like your life is, is really a product of your mindset, right? But, uh, but yeah, I'd say to date, uh, can't hurt me was that's huge. I think one of the ones for me that I like the most I, I, to this day, I think is the most motivational book that wasn't meant to be motivation was outliers. Oh, that was dope. like yeah, to me. And, and the reason why I say it's the most motivation is because the when I read it and he was talking about someone's grandfather did this. And so his son did this. And because of that, the grandson was able to do that. It to me having two kids as well. It, it kind of put that thing on sitting there and saying, man, like what you're doing now is set up the next generation. It's going to set up the next generation yeah. after that. Yep. And so it, it, it kind of made me sit there saying, man, you have a lot of work to do and got my shit together really in a sense where I was just like, Hey man, we got to really get it together. Yep. And you know, same thing what you were saying earlier about like, I was having like, okay, I'm going to read 20 books a, a year or I think it was 25. And I think the most I ever got to 20. And then I've kind of this year really not really cared about how many books, just kind of like, you know, I kind of have a model saying I'm going to do five financials, yeah. five real estate yeah. and five self-help. And then anything else? Cool. Um, but I agree. You know, it's like quality. Like I want to kind of, yeah. you know, do Probably that thing. We, our ego is like we got to meet, meet these benchmarks, which is still good because it's better than I think our, the majority of individuals because they don't care about that. But then we got to realize, like, are we are we able to retain and are we applying this too? And I, and I find 
uh, one of my one of my flaws in the past, and I still I'm still guilty of it, is I'll read a great finance book or I'll read a great investing book, but I don't take action, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you can sometimes uh, all this research we're doing, all this reading we're doing, it's kind of a form of procrastination. It's like, all right, you know, one of one of my my future business ventures, I want to do in drop shipping, and I've probably listened to like two different books about it, I've watched YouTube videos, but I haven't done it yet. So it's like, all right, man. At a certain point, you've got to realize you're not you're not actually getting any more information. You're you're just kind of procrastinating. So get you get your ass in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. It's just it, those, and it's crazy because you you. I think um, I read um, Tony Robbins' book Invincible, or I think it is, or Unshakable, I think. Yeah, I'm and it was yeah. about index funds. Yep. And I remember as soon as I read that book, I was like, "Cool, I'm putting all my my Roth IRA. We're gonna throw it into an index fund." Tell me about that. And it worked. Yeah, it worked out though. You know, it's the one where I was like, okay, man, I was actually able to, to experience compound interest in about four years. Yep. So I was really excited about it. And what's even crazier is, you know, I was talking about earlier is well, before this, I emptied out that Roth IRA to go into investments. And so I was just like, hey, man, based off another book. And it's like, yeah, it's a form of procrastination, but also, man, it, it's scary as shit. Right. You know, That's you're dealing with money. Man, because I've, I, I've watched it. I've watched your journey because you're, you're in audiobooks as well, but you apply that shit, right? So it's just like, you know, we spoke maybe maybe a year ago about real estate and uh, you read realistic books, you listened to it, et cetera. You did your research. Now you're a realtor. Like, that's what I respect. You know, it's, it's one thing to read and talk about it, but you, you, you show it the actions, you know what I mean? you you already have your investment property. You know what I mean? You're like, you don't fuck around. I'm like, all right, I have enough. Like I think Colin Powell said, you know, like you only need about 70% of, of knowledge in a subject, right? Um, if any, any less than that, you're guessing any, any, any more than that, you're fucking wasting time. Like after about 70% of knowledge in an area, you jump into that shit, you know, period. You're going to fail a little bit. That's cool. You, you can't expect to just, this shit to go perfect. I think for me, man, when it comes to like real estate investing, um, again, you know, back to the frugalness, it doesn't take a little bit of money to get in. Right. So it's just like, if you, if you mess up, that's, uh, we're, we're talking about, you know, by the time you get out of the military now, what, man, this is, this is your retirement. You're, you're messing with. So that's what kind of makes me a bit apprehensive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, I think the only thing that's different for me is I have contingencies and it's like, okay, how can we mitigate it? But I think I am a lot reckless. I'm very like calculated at things, but I am very reckless at a lot of things where I'm just like, fuck it head first. And right. it's, yeah. uh, it's part of my personality where I have this weird personality trait where I'm either, I'm either I'm hot or my cold. And so, you know, it comes into jobs where if I get cold, I leave, you right. know, or I'm hot, I'm, I'm amazing in it. So it's like, for me, it does become a problem. And sometimes I have to ask my wife, like, are you like nervous? Cause you know, it's like, you know, imagine, imagine telling your wife, you know, you're, you're, you know, I'm 35 and telling her like, Hey, I emptied out our savings. Like, wait, what? Like I read a book, I read a couple books and I'm ready. I think we can do this. And it's like, wait, what? And yeah. it's like, you know, I, I think you know we're going to go ahead and try it. Right. In, in, in the air force, like as a three, six, you know, like one of the things that I learned, you know, in our first base, their, their, their ways of teaching you is basically just throwing you in the fire and letting you fucking drown and you figure it out. Like, you know, like a, a lot of folks won't really know the terminology, but there's a, a thing called a unit control center where you're basically preparing for like an emergency uh, wartime situation where you're legitimately getting fucking bombed and the base is under attack, right? Uh, but it's simulated. We call them exercises. And the best way you learn is they're like, yeah, I mean, we can tell you how it works. We're just going to throw you in there and you were six months ago. You were just in fucking high school. You didn't know what uh, you know what uh, a bomb was, or a nuclear threat was, or mock gear was. 
but we're just going to throw you in a, the fucking worst scenario ever and just watch you crumble for 12 hours. And then you get to do it again tomorrow. And I think that mindset has kind of got you, it's helped you, right, in the civilian world. Because now you're like, all right, man, like, I'm not going to learn until I do it. So let's let's, let's get it. Yeah, rip that Band-Aid off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I come from the old school mentality of, you know, sink or swim. And, yep. you know, when it comes to the civilian counterparts, I do generally believe, man, we we are better than them. And it's, it's kind of weird to say it, but, <laughs> man, a lot of them, they're not, they're not used. To, yeah, but, you know what I mean? They're, they're not used to being racked and stacked. They're not used to sitting there saying, are you number one? Are you number two? Or you're just not even in the conversation. Right. And I think that helps, you know what I mean? And yeah, especially going to that one with Joe, yeah, you know, Oh yeah. Well, especially, you know, when, when I saw you, you know, when we went back in and we're working at material control together and I see like, you know, not only are you a, doing great, but you're an award winner. Like you're that guy where people are looking at you sitting there saying you're young, but we, ha you have a bright future, you know? Does that, does that some things that you kind of, you know, notice, like, does it add pressure to you? Uh, I wouldn't say add, add pressure, but I think one thing that, um, you know, speaking of self-development books, one of the books that I, I recently read and it was pretty good by Ryan Holiday is called Ego is the Enemy. And it's really, um, one of the things that you have to kind of realize through all this is, I mean, those accomplishments are good, but you kind of have to, uh, you, you've got to stay humble. Um, and, and, and you've got to, um, because you, you can get to a point where, you'll stunt your growth because you're living off of your old accomplishments, man. So I try not to um, dwell too much on them. I, I, I'm definitely grateful for them. But also, I, I, I've got to realize, man, we, we had a great team. Like, when, once you get to a certain level in the military, you know, if you get awards, it's not even because of what you did. As bad as it sounds, you're basically taking credit for what your team does. And we just, you know, I love Japan for the fact that all of my local national um, employees Man, their work ethic is second to none. So it was pretty easy to, to do well in a, a situation like that. Here, coming back to the States, um, I'm not going to go too more in depth because I don't know who, who I work with that may, may see this, but just, just, I'll just say it's not the same. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as fortunate as I was before. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, uh, you know, when you speak about those past, you know, it, it, it is easy, like you're saying, to stay on those ones. And then you come to a point where it's like, you're almost becoming, you know, and even David Goggins talks about that you're becoming a one timer. You know, you're doing these things where you're writing these accomplishments. Yep. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, when people are, people will tell me, hey, you're doing a good job. It's like, I, I, I don't care for the accomplishment. I care for the task at hand. And that's what I really want to do in life is yeah. be better. And so and that's a lot of stuff is from, you know, when we're talking about contingency operations and exercises. One thing I do to this day that has helped me out the most is hot washes. Because, you know, for, for us, I think it's, it's, it's normal to do a hot wash after actions report, you know, thing. But I, I think a lot of people don't really sit down and sit there and say, okay, what do we do good? What do we need to work on? Right. What does training look like? And all those things. Has that something that you've applied to yourself as well? Yeah, man. I try to, um, I don't really, I'm not really big into like uh, New Year's resolutions, but I do try to uh, like from on a quarterly basis, just kind of look at where I'm at. Like, okay. What have you done? What areas can you improve in? And um, I, I try and, and I think it's important for us to have honest friends, right? Like ones that'll tell you if you're fucking up. And that's one area that you have no problem. You know, you've always you've always been that that friend that that'll let you know if you're fucking up, right? So I think um, that's important too. You know what I mean? You set goals for the future. You look at what areas you can improve in, and then just kind of get feedback from folks that aren't going to sugarcoat things, man, because that's not going to help you in the long run. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I look at because I, I write down goals and I have goals and I'll, I'll write them down. And 
I looked at goals from 2018 and it's, it's crazy that when I wrote those goals in 2018, I don't know if you had the same problem, but my hand kind of shakes a little bit because it's kind of scary. You're kind of putting yourself out there yeah. and I look at those goals and it's like, that ain't shit now. Like that, it's gone up. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I've, I've, uh, so I found one on accident. I don't think I've ever even told the story. I didn't tell my wife this, but, um, when I was PCSing, cause I just left from Arizona, I'm in DC now. Um, I, I was going through, you know, when you, when you clean out your house and they move, you find a bunch of papers that you didn't realize were there. And I seen a paper that had goals on what I wanted to do. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to run a marathon. I was able to do that. Um, I wanted to save a certain amount of money. I was able to exceed that by a lot. I wanted to, um, it's just like simple goals and just to see it written down and to know that you accomplished them. I forgot, even I wrote, wrote this on a piece of paper so long ago, man. And I smashed those and I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. And then, then again, like you said, you look at it, you're like, that's nothing, man. Like that's nothing compared to what I want to do next. You know what I mean? So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think, I think that's what you got to do. I, I think when you, when you write down goals, I do feel it, it should scare you. Cause you yep. know, I wrote my goals down last year and one of the ones I put, and I put due dates this time. And so everything had a due date, but when I put, I want to create a company and I want to create, I want to have an investment property. I didn't put no due date because I honestly didn't think it was possible. So you can see on my board, the ones I don't have a due date are the ones I don't think are possible, but it's like, all right, we're going to find a way. And as soon as the year hit, I think by January 8th, I had already created, uh, already had a property. And then the year prior, I think in November, I found a way to actually get some extra money and create a company. And so, you know, it's one of the ones where it's like, it's kind of like, that's weird. Like once you write it down and you kind of at least say like, it helps you focus. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and uh, one thing that I, I didn't do before, and now that we have this conversation I'm going to do now is writing those due dates on them, man, because, um, basically my, my unofficial due date was always like before the year's over, you know what I mean? But I think if you put a specific date there, just like anything else, like if you're in college and you, you got a specific date to turn a paper in by, you know, the day before, if you didn't write that paper, you're going to be staying up until midnight to get it in. So, um, that's one thing I'm going to definitely incorporate, man, because, um, I've got a couple of goals there that seem, they seem doable, but they also seem like they're big ones, but I think it'll make it a lot more. Um, I think, I think I, I'll increase my chances by putting that due date in there. Yeah. Like when it comes to goals, you know, when, when we met when 2016 or when we, when we worked again together in 2016, um, I was barely getting my shit together. And so, you know, for me, I needed that structure. Like I'm one of those weird people that, that needs a structure in life. Mm -hmm. And so when we, when we were meeting in 2016, you know, I was finally like, not finally getting my shit together. I was like, barely like we're, we're talking about, we're getting a little momentum. Yeah, sure. and, yeah. you know, well, you know, it, it's that too as well. And, but it's, it's also like when we worked together, it was what helped me was, was seeing how far you had to come. And I was like, man, I gotta get my shit together. Like you're getting promoted. You know, you're, you're not this young kid that I remember where it's like, I picked you up from the airport or, you know, we're hanging out, having a good time drinking. You know, you're not that kid no more. You're like, no, you're legit a, a, a person who has a good reputation behind him. And people know that once Obi says something on it, like he it's golden. So it's like, I saw that transformation, you know, years apart. And so it always made me like, man, like, you know, and I saw you making rank and I was like, Ooh, you know, if I would have stayed in, would I've been able, would he be, you know, passing me up? And so when it comes to stuff like that, like, I, I think it's also to, to see other people succeed. Right. And, and, you know, when we talk about ego too, it's like, hopefully you don't have the ego to sit there and say that. Do you have anything like that as well for you? Yeah, man. I think, I think that's one thing I got to check myself with, man. Um, really just, um, as much as we don't want to admit it, man, cause I've got friends and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're doing well in life. And, and one thing I got to check myself with is 
a lot of times, like, a part of me is kind of torn. Like, they're killing it, and I'm happy for them. And another part's like, am I not doing all right? Like, am I, do I need to do, do better? You know what I mean? Um, and I think it's healthy to a certain extent. But I think one thing that I have to make sure for myself is don't don't get to the point where you're no longer happy for them because you're not happy about where you're at. You know what I mean? Because we all kind of got our own journeys. But, um, you know, when you when you hang with other alphas, right, or A-type personalities that are constantly striving to get better, I think iron sharpens iron in that regard, man. But, um, yeah, I, I've, I've definitely um, been guilty of that myself. But I will say one thing, you know, I think that uh, that worked out for you, right? Because I think you realize, like, okay, from the civilian side, civil service side, it felt like it kind of, it seemed like it had a ceiling to it, right? There's only so far you could go. And similar to the, to the military, like once you get to E9, you can't go any further. Like, well, you can position-wise, but not necessarily um, pay-wise, right? So I think you realize, man, this is like a glass ceiling here. So you you kind of took that and you was like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to 10 exit, right? So. Yeah, well, not really, actually, man. Actually, um, I got more depressed because, like I said, you know, there's a part of me that has never gotten out of the military. I'm still that guy who's like still in. Right. Like I'm that dumbass guy who's talking about hot washing. You know, like I have a weekly hot wash. Like who the fuck does this dumb <laughs> shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I still have weekly meetings. That, you know, I have a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday meeting. Like I'm, I'm still PT in the morning. I still call it PT. And so for me, I never truly left. And so when I see you get promoted, you know, it's I'm like, man, it, it's a bit of a depression because it's like, I wish I was still in, mm-hmm. you know, when I saw Perez get thing, I'm like, man, I, you know, I could have made that rank yeah. or, you know, when I saw you made masters, like, I could have made that make, you know, yeah. when Holmes got promoted, I'm like, if I would have kept it up, could I make, you know what I mean? It, it's one of the ones where I, I still feel froggy. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And so when I see that and you're around these individuals, you're happy for them. But there was a, a, yeah. a side of me that never fully got out of the military and was kind of yeah. sad because it's like, we're all in the same, you know, career field. We're all in the same MOS, right. AFSC. We're still in this. And because I know y'all, you know, it, it made it more like, man, could I have, if I would have stayed in. And, and, and I think in, the, in this, in your situation, it sucked because of just timing, right? Like the reason why you got out was mainly because if I'm not mistaken, it was the Air Force was just doing budget cuts. So they were just like, we're just cutting like fucking 50% of the workforce and it was just like a rude awakening. And, I, and I, I, I applaud you for not like having resentment to the military because I know a lot of people, they won't even fucking go on base anymore because we're like, I gave everything to the military, right? I like, I, I gave it 110%. And it was like, hey, budget cuts. See you. Here's a little severance pay. Um, good life. You know what I mean? So he was like, you know what? I don't, I don't even fucking go. I don't, if I don't have to, I don't go on base for nothing. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, the fact that you're still gung-ho about it, I think it says a lot about your character, man, because I don't know if I would have been as um, as uh, mature about it as you. Oh, no, bitter. Yeah. Completely bitter, man. Uh, so what what happened was is I was going to get out of the Air Force originally. Oh, were you? Okay. I was going to get out, I think, yeah, I was going to get out in July. Yeah. And then, um, and the reason why is I wanted to cross-train, you know, I wanted to go into another job. And because I was overseas, they wouldn't let me. And so they said, okay, cool. And then they came down special duty saying, hey, we got a job for the White House for, you know, for the, the whatever that job yeah, was. Perfect, perfect. And so I volunteered for it. Yep. Right. And I got it. And so they said, okay, hey, you got it. You just got to reenlist. So I reenlisted. And then I think a week later they came back and said, hey, man, sorry, you didn't get the job. And so I was like emotional. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm getting out. So I called up, um, you know, personnel. And when I went to reenlistments, I was like, hey, did y'all put in my reenlistment? And they was like, nope, we did not. I was like, cool, take that shit out. I'm getting out. I said, fuck it, I'm getting out. So it was an emotional, like, you know, I got an email. And then five minutes later, I said, I'm getting out. 
And so I'm getting out in July, I think. And then the, the because I didn't have enough time in, the Robox came, the Robox came, and they just made me go out earlier. And then I was uh, depressed and I was bitter. You know, um, my daughter, my first daughter, um, we took her home from the hospital after she was born on a Friday. Sunday, I was in an exercise. So, you know, that, and of course, you know, the same thing too, like working nonstop, doing all those things. So I was extremely bitter to the point where even now I don't even have no Air Force uniforms because I threw them all away. Like I was a a breakup and, you know, it's to a point where, you know, I've said this before, I've never really gotten over this breakup. Like to this day, it still breaks my heart. We didn't even get real closure because I don't know if I, I I wasn't in Okinawa at the time when we separated, but I, I, I doubt you got the the going away you deserved, right? Because you, you, you dedicated, what, seven plus years at that point? Yeah, I did nine. Yeah, so you did nine. So you did nine at the point, and, like, did, did, did they do, like, a nice – Did they, sometimes that transition matters. You know what I mean? Did, did you yeah. get sent off the right way? Because that, sometimes that might help with closure, I'd imagine. Or was it kind of – because you were already go, getting out. It was like, uh-uh-uh. next you know, you know, Yeah, so <laughs> – yeah, I was, I was on the next task, you know? So they are like, okay, you're getting out. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to UNLV. I signed up. I was registered for class. So – you know, for me, I was like, oh, cool. You know, you told me to get out, get lost. I'm on to my next, my next thing. And what I did that was so stupid of me was I was like, you know what? I'm about to live this dream life and da, 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 da. And then when I didn't leave that dream life, it was that way. But I think for me is, you know, I said I was getting out, but I always knew in the back of my head that I could always change my mind. I was like, cool, man, I can always reenlist. Yeah. I might be that guy that, you know, no one likes because I reenlisted really fast, yeah. but I can still stay in. Yeah. So. I was definitely that person who was bitter. Um, there was a couple of jobs I didn't get because I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to work for the government no more. Right. Uh, so no, yeah, I wish I was that guy who had ex- extending character and stuff like that. No, no, <laughs> completely heartbroken. Um, and uh, so, but when we worked together in 2016, I I was glad to be back in it, right? Like I almost felt like I was back in it. But um, for me, it was more depressing as well because I wasn't. Yeah. It was more obvious than ever. Yeah, it was because you're like right next to it. You know what I mean? You're basically because I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like there's really subtle differences between when you're in civil service and you're active duty, with the exception of maybe deployments. And at that point, we're deployed in place. You know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, as far as like a job structure, we legitimately um, they we have the same same jobs and responsibility. You oversaw airmen. You know, you have you have people under you. I, I have noticed that a lot of times most people, when they get to the civilian side, even when they supervise military, they don't supervise them in the manner and to the extent they used to, you know what I mean? As far as like the level of discipline. Well, like uh, I was reading books about like uh, Jocko Willink's book about like, you know, um, extreme ownership. Yeah. And I started actually, actually taking the time to learn about leadership. Cause what, what I was doing when I was in is I had that, uh, that idea that, well, because I'm the NCO or whatever, you're going to listen to me. And so I kind of had a foot to ass mentality, the old school mentality. Yeah. And it didn't work. You know, it just, it, those things just don't work in life. And, and I actually started learning about leadership and actually learning about like how to actually have people work for you right. because they want to, and actually kind of motivate them in life. And, you know, speaking about that leadership, where does your leadership come? Because I noticed your leadership, like abilities had grown beyond belief. Man, I think it, uh, I think for me, I just try to draw on like, what, what is, I'm not really big into that whole dog and pony show. You know what I mean? Um, I realized early that I didn't want to just be um, the stereotypical, like read, read from an Air Force manual um, type of leader, whether it be NCO or senior NCO. For me, it's like, okay, what is like, what makes you uh, tick, right? And for me personally, I, I like taking care of people, right? I'm pretty empathetic. Um, I, I, I look at it like, hey, 
I want to be that person that I wish I had when I was, you know, younger. I think we, we, we had a supervisor, his name was, uh, my son, Denny, and he was one of the first, um, supervisors I've had in the military that, that wasn't just like straight, like, I don't give a fuck about your feelings. You're a piece of shit, whatever. Just do the job or whatever. Like it, it, he's, he, he was the first person I felt like actually showed that, you know, you can actually be nice, right? Like you don't, you don't have to like be a jerk to, to be a good leader. Right. Um, and I thought to myself, I want to be that person. Um, one thing I had to learn was how to balance like, Hey, we're cool. You know, I care about you. I care about you personally, not just from a job standpoint, but also we got to get this shit t- taken care of. Cause one thing, when I first started, I was too nice. I was like, all right. Um, but ultimately you got to find that, that balance between, Hey, um, you know, I care about you. I, I, I want you to be happy. I want you to enjoy coming to work, but also I want to make sure the job gets done. Cause if it doesn't get done, it doesn't get, like, they don't, they're not going to come to you. They're going to come to me. Right. So I think that's where I found it. And, um, Sergeant Holmes, who we worked with together, uh, Mrs. Ritz, they have similar, I feel like they have similar leadership styles. So that's why we work together so well. I like our whole section was more of like a family. Right. And, um, I mean, we spend the majority of our time at work anyway, right? So you want to make sure that it's enjoyable. And by default, our section did well. We, we took people that were quote unquote dirtbags, right? Military term. And I think we turned, we turned them around and we didn't, we didn't necessarily need to um, do anything special. I think we just had to show them, like, hey, we, we, we care about you. You know, we, we, we used to go out to eat, you know, um, it was a family. It was a family. We, we turned into a family, man. So I think that's... Um, that is one of the key areas of my leadership style. And, and I realize like, you don't have to like follow a manual all the time. I mean, it's cool. It's good to look for advice, but like, Hey, what is your strength? And my strength is caring about other people. So. Yeah, man, I, I've had a conversation, you know, with someone and I was like, Hey, you know, basically my leadership style is I give a flying fuck. And I, and I said, it's so aggressive that way because it's like, you actually have to care. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are in charge and they, and I've been that guy there. I've been, you know, I was at E5 who was like, if you don't produce for me, you're dead to me because I need the mission to get done. Right. And so, and, and that's how we were, that's how we were brought up. That was old school mentality, right? You got that from Lavin, right? That, that's kind of like how, how you were programmed. You know, but in the same time frame though, what I had to do realize though, reflect on was that's how I like to be treated. You know, that's, that's what, you know, I've had to tell a couple of, you know, people that are leaderships, like, Hey man, with me, you don't have to worry about me so much. Like you just tell me what the job is. And that's, I'm a, I'm a dog. All I care about is getting my toy, which is a task. Right. So, you know, like, but, but that's also one too, where, you know, not everybody, um, and have you experienced this where not everyone like doesn't really fall in line with you because you caring about them is not that, that big deal. Yeah, exactly. It's one thing you, you definitely got to tailor it to certain individuals, right? Um, for sure. For certain. Uh, and, and not just b- uh, individuals below you, but individuals above you. Because one thing I learned uh, at previous uh, different bases, man, you, you get a supervisor, my supervi- uh, supervisor that runs multiple leaders, and he finds out that you're, quote unquote, too nice, right? He, he then thinks you're incompetent, right? Like you, you kind of have to tailor your leadership style to the people that are both on, on both spectrums. So, so for me, um, again, that's just kind of like, it comes with experience and, um, trial and error because I've, I've been on both sides of the coin, right? I've been on sides where we, we, we fucking came in, we had fun. It was like a family environment and we excelled. And then I went to a situation where I tried that and people took advantage of it and the, the office was failing. So I kind of had to be that hard ass. Right. And then we started doing well. Um, but it, it was difficult to kind of switch that back 
at that point. You know what I mean? Because I didn't trust them. That trust was gone. It's like, all right, well, I mean, it seems like this doesn't work with y'all. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, yeah. It, it, you definitely have to tailor it to the people you know, knowing your people. And, and for me, that's really big as far as my new uh, NCOs and non-commissioned officers. I make sure that we have pretty long uh, feedback sessions and just I'm trying to feel where they're at. Like, don't you don't have to come in with the BS military crap. Like, I don't want this to be all mechanical. I want to know who you are as a person so we can work together. And if you if your if your goal is to stay a tech sergeant or a staff sergeant for the rest of your life, and you don't want to progress. Um, but you want you care about the job, and that's cool. You know what I mean? I'm not going to knock you for that. That's your that's your personal decision. If you want to make chief one day, um, that's cool too, and we'll work towards that direction. And I'll lead you the best way I can. So it's really just about you know being flexible. And not nothing in your way is the only way, right? Well, you know, it, it goes back to what we're talking about, the ego. Like there's a sense in, in the military is kind of common with this one where we you kind of get an ego. You start winning awards. Yep. You start becoming that guy in the shop. You know, you become that guy where you kind of in, in, in a weird way, you know, you start believing your own bullshit. You start believing yep. your own, you know, your evaluation, right? Like I did X number of things. And so with that egoness that we talked about earlier and now, how do you keep that in check? Because I know you get accolades all the time. So how do you keep that in check? Uh, really, man, it's um, I think the best way to do it is really having conversation with individuals that um, that don't give a fuck about it. Right. To keep it frank, um, it'd be individuals that um, either they've already been there and they've done that or they're not related to the military at all. And that doesn't matter. Right. So I think that's the best way to kind of keep you keep you humble is really um, surrounding yourself outside of work with individuals that aren't um, impressed by that and, and, and ones that are just going to be like, all right, that's cool, but what are you doing in this area, right? Like um, mm-hmm. like one thing, you know, I, I come from a Nigerian background, and I think uh, they definitely, Nigerians have a reputation for, or Nigerian parents are really not being satisfied. I mean, unless you're a fucking engineer, a doctor, or a lawyer, you're, you're pretty much a failure, right? Like, this, this is no shit. So, um my, my my dad, you know, he, he's he's he can be hard to please at times. I know he has good intentions, but I I do feel like that's that's important to 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 surround yourself with those individuals because it kind of keeps things in perspective. You know, so speaking with that one, do you, do you ever think there's, and this is kind of something that I'm focusing on now is you know self talk. I don't, I know it's important, but the way I talk to myself is very degrading you know what I mean very like you little bitch like stop doing yeah. it you little pussy like yeah. you're just a dumb motherfucker right and so but that motivates me is uh let me see okay all right so we had a quick take a real quick break on that one real fast uh yeah. but anyways it doesn't on that stuff so you know what i like though is when we talk about the ego do you feel like that's an issue that needs to be addressed more often with people yeah man i, I think it does but ultimately you know the, the thing about the ego is unless you're willing to, to have those conversations with yourself or, or willing to at least acknowledge that, um, that you could, uh, work on that area, it'll, it'll never work. You know what I mean? Um, I, I read that book, not necessarily because I felt like my ego was uncontrollable. It's just because I, I respected the author and I heard it was a good read, but after reading it, man, I realized like a lot of that shit did apply to me. Right. So, um, I, I do think, you know, especially from a military perspective, not like typical jobs, right? As a, the, the level of respect you get when you, when you uh, achieve certain ranks in the military and the way people treat you isn't typically like your, like your traditional job. Like, and I think we were kind of brought that, brought up that way through like basic training. It's like this person, if they're a senior NCO, it's like, oh man, like, you know, there's no job where your position would, uh, would uh, require somebody to stand up every time you come in the room, right? 
So I think that can um, play on certain people's egos. And that's why you find individuals that they, they've reached a certain rank in the military. When they get out, it's hard to adjust. They still think they're that person. And one thing you realize is once you become in that civilian world, it like gives a fuck if you were a, a E9 or E8 or if a general for that matter, you're, you're just, you're Mr. Such and such. You know what I mean? So I think that's, that's always been an area that I've always kept in the back of my mind. You know what I mean? I don't think I have that issue from a work perspective because I, I value people as humans. I don't really look at it like, oh, I'm, I'm a master sergeant and you're a, an A1C. Because a lot of these airmen these days, I mean, they're coming in with their fucking master's degrees. So um, I try, I stay humble. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's uh, something that for me, I've been really working on, like reflecting a lot. And it's it, you kind of, you talk about these things and it's like you start entering a weird little area where you might becoming more, you know, like you start going that like, not hippie, but, you know, kind of that route. And I started yeah. reading, you know, a book like Osho. And so like reading about him and stuff like that. And that really helped me kind of keep everything perspective of kind of, you know, looking at my ambitions, my goals and stuff like that. And it really, it, I had, I have to work on those things. You know, those are some things that, you know, like the ego understanding it, tearing it down and being humble, but also at the same point, not being too humble where you don't under, like you don't um, respect your accomplishments too. saying the same, like, Hey, I can do these jobs. Do you have that issue as well? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I think it's really like you, like you were saying, man, that balance. And then that's for a lot of things, right? Because a part of you, you want to be uh, grateful for what you've accomplished, but also, you know, you want to stay hungry. Um, like, you know, a lot of times people always say, like, you'll never, as human beings, we're, we're kind of brought up to, like, off accomplishments, right? Like, the, the, a house will never be big enough, or one million will turn into two million, and that'll turn into a billion, right? Like, so it's really hard to kind of find that balance between being uh happy with your accomplishments uh being content with them being grateful for them um because you know it, it's a rat race that, that'll never end if you, if you don't find that right balance of okay i'm I'm good with where i'm at but you don't want to be complacent either right so as men as providers um as ambitious individuals man it's kind of hard to find that perfect balance yeah i i I understand what you're saying because I'm in that same boat. And what I've been trying to do now is lead a life of fulfillment, a life of meaning, you know, yep. you know, listen to Will Smith, you know, when he talks about like he wants his world to be better because he was in it yeah. and not that part where it's so ego. Like you think the world's better. Be- like, no, but like you actually want to add value. Yeah, exactly. And for me, you and- know, um, I read a lot. I read a lot of books on, you know, I used to read a lot of books on finance and then that those, those books kind of turned into books about happiness because ultimately Money doesn't make you happy. Um, it's, it's, it's the, it's, it's the things that money can give you that may bring happiness, right? Um, and then you realize like what, what exactly, like what's my purpose or, or what, what makes me happy? What makes me fulfilled? And I think for me, my biggest thing is because people always talk about like, are you, are you trying to make E9, et cetera? What makes me happy is freedom, right? So I say that to say when I get to 19 and 19 years and 11 months, um, there's nothing that's going to keep me in the military, and, I, and I'm, I'm not knocking the military by any means. And sometimes people look at me crazy, like, "Oh, you don't want to stay in for 30." No, for me, freedom is what makes me happy. Right, the ability to wake up every day and know that um, I can do whatever I want to do. I have the freedom of going to my kids' baseball games. I can, I can be engaged in my life. I can find, like, I have, uh, I have the ability to choose what I want to do. Right. And I think that's why me and you, we talk about real estate investment. We talk about putting money in index funds. It ultimately comes down to freedom. I don't want anybody to control my life. Right. So I think, um, I, I bring that perspective with everything, you know, it started with like a really big hunger for money. 
and then it turned into like, okay, why do you want money? Like, what what's the root cause of this? Like, what do you want? And I think for me personally, it's freedom. I want the freedom to do whatever the fuck I want to do. Yeah, I think that's important, man. You know, and especially important that you mention your kids because that's a part of it too. Where I think a lot of people, you know, they get so ambitious that they become a you know a public success and a private failure. And so, you know, it's those things yep. in life where it's, it's that balance, man, because you got kids, I got kids, we got wives. And it's like, what is what do people at home think of you? You know, like, is that something that you find yourself always keeping in the back of your minds as well? Yeah, man, um, I think one of the like one of the most profound things I read, man, in the past year was um, when you die. Right. Um, it doesn't you know, the, the money in your bank account isn't re- uh, isn't necessarily what what, can, what what makes you a success. What makes you successful is who's surrounded. With, like, who do you have left? You know what I mean? Because there's plenty of millionaires and billionaires out there, and they die in in a mansion somewhere, and they've got uh, they probably have a trophy wife and a bunch of maids that are there. But they they've got another guy that only made 40k his whole life, right? But he died around loved ones and family members because he impacted their lives in that manner, right? So I think that. Um, I think that was just like, it's something that stuck with me. Like, ultimately, that's really what a successful life is, who you have around you when it's time, uh, you know, for you to kind of go to that, you know, second part of your life, depending on what you believe in. Right. Um, so that that I keep that in mind when when it comes to do you want to stay in for 30 years? Well, I, I, I know how being those ranks can impact my person, my family life. Right. And I'd rather choose them over that. Yeah, because, you know, as as we're talking about these things, that that's something that, you know, I think about a lot as well. You know, it's like, what do you want to do? And to me, that's the hardest choice in the world right now. It's like, what do you want to do? And it's like, you know, the crazy part is the question is, I don't know. Or the answer is, I don't know. And so I, I've been searching for the, the answer left and right. And yeah. I've kind of banged my head against the wall in frustration. But what I like I about like, doing it. either, man. I, honestly, my, my goal... If I don't figure it out before I before I get out, which I probably won't, I I, I wasn't going to be um, I'm not going to be ashamed to say I'm thinking about possibly like hiring a life coach. You know what I mean? To help just figure it out. Like, what is it? Because, you know, they always say once you find what you love to do, you never work again. I haven't found that. yet. You know, I found things that I'm decent at. Right. I'm, I'm good at. But that doesn't necessarily mean I enjoy doing it. Right. So I think I'm, I'm looking for it. But I think the good thing about what you're doing is regardless of if necessarily real estate isn't your passion, per se, you're setting yourself up in a, in, in a way where your um, your capital, your assets will help pay for you to look for what you want to do, right? Like you yeah. don't have to worry about stressing about surviving while you figure it out. And I think that's one of the things that the military is able to provide me. Once I retire, I have enough with my, uh, you know, the uh, investments I made. I don't have to rush to get a job. I can figure out what I enjoy doing. I can fail at it and I can quit if I want to quit like you did. Like you were saying, hey, I didn't like it. Next. Like I want to have that freedom. Yeah, I think, it, I think, you know, for me, what I'm going to now is like, man, I really want to help veterans. And so I like, I think I found, and it's like, it's so early to sit there and say like, I found it, you know what I mean? This is it. But, you know, like you, I really like helping people to the sense where it's like, hey man, um, I've learned a lot through my life of kind of just a lot of failures and, you know, fuck ups and shit. And so it's like, I like to help people and, you know, like creating this podcast, it, I find it fun. You know, there's sometimes I probably should be working on getting a client, but I'm not because I, I want to work on this podcast. Yeah. But also, you know, I mean, it's kind of the whole person concept is I really believe that from the Air Force. I'm really working at work 
that I'm, I am tracking that I am doing a certain amount of things for work, but I also am educating myself and then I'm also volunteering. So that has stuck with me, the whole person concept. Cause I think that's, you know, it, like you said, it, it doesn't matter about this whole money. It's like, what do you want to be happiness? Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's, it's a pretty decent blueprint, right. For, uh, for life in general. You know what I mean? You've got your, you, you're, you're always going to have your work. Then you've got the professional development. Like, what are you doing to get better? Cause just cause you're not in college anymore, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't, you know, continue to grow, um, from a mental standpoint. And then it's just like, like, what are you doing in your community? Like, you know what I mean? And I think you're, you're not, you can't kind of kill two birds with this, with this, uh, podcast, right? Because, you know, you're reaching your community, you're reaching, you know, vets, you're, you're educating them at the same time. Um, and then you're having fun with it, man. So I, I think it's pretty dope. Yeah. It's just trying, but like I said, you know, my, my mentality, my family's philosopher this year really is legit though. Any problem I see is we're trying to create a business and we're trying to create income with this one. And, you know, one of the things that really got me started with this podcast is, you know, I've talked to other couple of vets and they have an idea on it. I want to get your opinion on this one and okay. it, which is the 22 pushups a day. What, how do you see that as active duty military? Like, do I think it's a positive thing? Do you think it, do I think it works? You mean like just my everything? Honestly. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really huge into like the, uh, the gimmicks, right? I feel like it, it could be a bit gimmicky. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm being transparent with you because of my boy, man. I'm, I, 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 I took part in it, but um, I wouldn't have initiated it. I, I think I took part of it, part in it more because I was challenged by a friend and um, it, it became overwhelming at, at a certain point because I got a million of them, but um, I, it was more of a favor to them, but I, I don't necessarily feel like that uh, really had that big of an impact, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think I reach, you know, I don't think my, um, my 1100 Facebook friends, I, I'd say maybe 200 of them are military, right? Um, I don't know if I, I maybe maybe it's kind of doubting yourself. I don't I don't know if my platform was big enough to really impact anyone. Maybe maybe it did, um, but uh, I'm not sure if that that post as well as me doing push-ups really saved somebody from committing suicide that day. So that that one in particular, I'm not a huge fan of, you know. But I'm not if, if that's your thing. I'm not I'm not knocking you either. Yeah, because when it, when it comes to 22 push-ups. Um... I, I I understand the intent behind it, right? The intent is to kind of bring awareness to it. But my whole thing is like, you know, especially for veterans, you know, the, the other challenges, I don't know any of that stuff. I'm not really into those things as far as like, that's just not my thing. Yeah. But when we're talking about 22 veterans killing themselves every day, you know, as a, as a minimum, like that's kind of like, it, it, that's how sad it is where we're saying like, at least this is going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I don't know if this is what is the right way. Cause it's not, I don't, in my opinion, a guy who has a gun to their uh, head or as a person like me, who's actually put a gun to their head. I don't think that's going to solve it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't imagine myself sitting there saying like, Oh shit, man, this dude's doing 22 pushups. Oh, okay, cool, man. Like let's, right. you got something to live for. Right. And, and to be honest, I, and I know some people out there might be like, well, it's supposed to be for, it may, uh, it may spur somebody seeing that and they call him, they call a friend that may have been able may have, you know, thought about killing themselves and all stop. I just don't know if seeing me do 22 pushups will make like spur that thought for, um, for a coworker of mine or an ex military person or a vet to do it. I'm going to call up a friend of day. I, I just don't, right. maybe I'm knocking my own impact, but I feel like there's definitely different, different avenues to do that. Man. Well, you know I mean? Like that's how I look at it as well. Like, I, I don't think that's going to help. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, being a person who's gone that route or being a person who's, you know, I've known a couple of guys I've deployed with that actually did and they actually did go through uh, commit suicide. 
I don't think bringing awareness is the answer. And that's kind of what I'm looking for is like, how do we solve this issue? And I don't know if we can solve this issue, but how do we start actually chopping at it? And so, go ahead. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. That's that's a tough one. And I think, um, you know, from a civilian standpoint, I'm not sure what a lot of civilians can do besides, um, you know, volunteer um, at, you know, maybe um, events that that help vets that are homeless and et cetera. You know what I mean? But I I definitely think from a a military standpoint is really just reaching back to those individuals that you knew. Right. Um, Especially the ones that you don't see on social media a lot, because the quiet ones sometimes are the ones that require like they, they just need somebody um, to talk to. Right. So without a challenge being there, just, you know, us just being just being good people and holding ourselves accountable by just, hey, every Sunday call, just catch up with somebody. You know what I mean? I've, I've um, I'm going to keep their name anonymous. Um, well, they don't have Facebook anyway, but I'm going to keep their name anonymous. Um, but I, I, I spoke to an old troop of mine. And, and he contemplated suicide. He, he had a rough time. You know, his, his mom passed away and his dad passed away. They, they passed away in like freak accidents within like three months of each other and right before the holidays. And then on top of that, um, you know, he, he was a three, six, but then he cross trained into a more stressful career field. Right. And that career field, uh, they were ruthless and they didn't give a fuck about what he was going through with his personal life. And they actually accused him of making it up. Like somebody would make up their fucking mom passing away. So he, he just had, um, and we're talking about somebody that was an A1 performer. You know what I mean? He's like the Barack Obama. Like there's no, like, uh, you know, you know, some people are just, they show you this at work. And then when they go home, like he is straight A all like all the time. And, um, you know, life was just coming to him hard. And uh, he kind of, he was ignoring my calls for a while. Eventually I was able to get through to him and he's doing a lot better now, man. But it just tells you, man, this shit's real. You know, just because you're not dealing with depression. I've, I've dealt with it before and it was a beast. Like, I was like, man, you know, I used to, I used to be judgmental to individuals dealing with depression. Uh, depression. I used to say, you know what? Um, it's personal. Like they need to get over it. Like they need to realize it's not that, that big of a deal. It's not that fucking simple, man. Like when you're dealing with anxiety and depression, I was dealing with that on uh, my previous deployment. Like I, I, it really put things into perspective. Like, man, I was really being a fucking asshole with the individuals that were really going through this. So when you bring up your deployments, yeah, is there, what have you done since you've gotten back to really actually reflect on what are the effects of this deployment on you? Oh man. Like, I, you know, it's, it's been my last one was two years ago and I'm finally, maybe, maybe now I get to the point when I was, I'm, I'm normal again, man. I, I, um, I knew I was fucked up when, um, and I came home and I was snapping over like the littlest things, right? And then um, the point where I actually went to say I'm going to go get help was um, I went to the movies with my family, right? And um, my, my wife said something. It wasn't anything big at all. And I fucking flipped out in the middle of the movie theater. And everybody just like stopped and looked at me, right? So next thing you know, that was the one scene. And then next thing you know, I look up and I'm at, I look up and I'm at like a fucking red light. Because I'm walking down like a highway somewhere, right? Because I walked out of frustration to like, you know, because my mind was racing and I looked up, I'm like, where the fuck am I? I'm at like a gas station because I was walking in the car and I got, I looked in the movie theater was probably a half a mile down the road. I was like, man, I'm, I'm not me. You know what I mean? I, I need to go get, um, some help, man. And, um, unfortunately I feel like my, um, uh, my therapist, um, you know, sometimes the military doesn't always put the best people in positions, right? Like this guy, he's like, he's like a d- divorced guy that's like marriage counselor he does like therapy for for people with ptsd and he does like something else too like he wasn't a specialist by any means and and some of his um some of his uh 
principles or some of his practices, I felt like it was a bit corny. It's like, say how, like, he's like, do this with me. Say how you feel. Say, like, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, I, I just want somebody to, uh, to listen to me vent. Uh, to be honest with you, the biggest thing that helped me was the medicine, you know, um, probably not the, you know, like the cliche answer, but it wasn't because he talked me through it. It was because I, I got on antidepressants, depressants and, um, anti-anxiety medicine and just time away from being in that environment coupled with the medicine helped me get like, helped me get normal. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, yeah dark, dark time. And that's, those are the things that people don't talk about that enough to send saying like, Hey man, I deployed. And you come home, and what was it like for your family? For because you know the wife's in charge now that you're gone. You come back, and now you're back in charge. Is was there an issue where just even getting back into like that structure was an issue? Well, shit, the, the part that I think ate at me, man, was just like they. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful. My wife was very. Um, she she had to make it happen, right? But I, I felt like they just created a life without me, right? Like they they were fucking they were good. I'm like, man. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I was still paying bills. But besides that, they created their own structure. So it almost feels like, what the fuck do you need me for? You know what I mean? So that was like an ego blow in itself. I'm like, you guys are like on auto fucking pilot. It's like, who's this new guy? You know, like, you know, we got this, man. We got this. We don't need you. You know what I mean? So um, that was a reality. That was like a shock to me, man. I was like, man, you really, you guys really got this, huh? Um, like, I'm happy for you. But a part of me is like, damn, you don't need me. Like, what? So that's to tell me if, if I was to leave today. I would figure it out. You know what I mean? It's like, damn, it's a gut punch. You know, you, you kind of want them to rely on you a little bit, man. Um, but, uh, you know, kudos to my wife for, for, for taking, taking that big, um, that, that task and, and, and making it work for the family. But I, I can't say it didn't suck. Yeah. Cause you know, when, when you talk about the medicine, I had a different reaction to the medicine. So mm -hmm. I don't know what the VA gave me. I have no, I can't remember what it was called. But it was for antidepressants. Yeah. yeah. And, I have literally told my therapist this and that way she's very, I'm very clear. And I tell a lot of people this, if you put me back on that medicine, I will kill myself. Cause I did not like the zombie that I was. I just didn't like, yeah, yeah. So, that, so I, I've tried different ones. Right. And I, and I will say I, I really had a lot of not giving a fuck, but I think to the point where I was, cause I'm, I don't know how you were with depression, but I'm an angry person. When I'm depressed. So I'd rather be in that mode than just a fucking jerk. That like I literally only want to be by myself, and whenever I had to interact with people, whether it's at work or at home, they didn't want to interact with me because I wasn't who I, you know what I mean. So it's almost I, I had to pick the lesser of the two evils, man. I'd rather be like a quiet guy that was boring than a fucking dick because I was a jerk, man. Like, and my thing was, I think it was because you know when you're going through shit and you're hurting internally, you like you want to put that on other people too, like misery loves company. So I was, mm. I was firing people up left and right. My, my therapist got to hear it too. I, I, I told him how I really felt, which I think he needed to hear it. Like, bro, you're not, you're not the best person for this job, man. Like, <laughs> you're like, because God forbid I was, I wasn't, I don't think I was necessarily suicidal. I wasn't suicidal, but I didn't care if I died, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, if I died, oh, yeah. eh, no big deal, but I wasn't intentionally trying to hurt myself, but I didn't think, I didn't think anything would have mattered if I was gone or not, right? Uh, so I wasn't to that point. But God forbid if somebody was to that point, he wouldn't have been any help to him. I don't think so. Right. So when you're on that medicine, did that ever affect your marriage at all? Um, I think the, marriage, the medicine, like I said, it helped me in the sense of, um, uh, it, like I said, it, it just made me, I wasn't as fun. I wasn't like cracking corny jokes, dad jokes, you know what I mean? But I also wasn't 
the asshole that I, I came back from the uh, from the deployment as. So it helped in, from that regard. I mean, it, it helped to the point where if I wasn't taking it, because I, you know, um, I have a bad habit of like not following directions. So I took it for a while and I was like, I'm good. So I stopped taking it. And then of course it doesn't work like that. So she could always tell when I'm, when I wasn't on it. Right. So that affected it. Um, but I mean, I, I think, uh, since she came from the military, her dad was military. Um, he was a Marine, Marines, uh, Marine Corps. And I think he, he dealt with similar issues. She was more, I think she was a bit, a bit more receptive to it. You know what I mean? Luckily for me, she's seen it before and she was able to wait me out. Whereas a civilian that may not have ever experienced that, like, fuck this guy. I literally just took care of your kids for six months. And you're going to come back and just shit on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And, you know, those things are rough because, you know, it's like, what do you do? Right? Like, what do you, you know, if you're the spouse, again, you took care of, you took care of the family head on and now you're back. Okay, cool. You're in charge. But then it's like, you're not that guy anymore. Nope. Not at all. Is, is there a conversation that you and the wife had that saying like, Hey, I'm just not that guy who came. I haven't come back yet or I'm not going to come back yet. She had to talk with me because uh, part of me was, um, you know, I think it's hard for me to um, put the label on it. You know what I mean? Because I, I'm not fucking a Navy SEAL, right? So I feel like a part of me feels like, who, who are you to have um, depression or PTSD or use that label when you and you didn't kill anybody when you're overseas, right? So you don't really deserve to have that. So I think internally, I'm like, you don't have that. You're just, it's their problem. And then the more and more she she spoke to me, like I said, it took that that crazy incident at the, the movie theater. Mind you, I was I was home for about almost a month by then. And that wasn't, that was just probably the apex of it. But there was a lot of other in-between ones. And she kept saying, you need to go get seen, man. You need to go get looked at. Like, that's not cool. Um, and that moment was like my reality check, right? So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. Because, again, like I said, I, I think I felt a bit, um, I felt like I didn't deserve to have PTSD. I, I didn't put enough work in, which is a fucking myth. Well, you, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about because that's that's something that I think a lot of us go through because we're so used to sitting there saying, okay, this is what it is. You know, you know, we imagine, you know, the movies or whatever is what it's supposed to be. And it's like for a lot of us, no, man, for the 99 percent of the military, a lot of us were on base chilling. Some of us didn't even deploy. You know, there, there was those stories, too, as well. Right. And I think we get caught up in saying, saying we had to fulfill this. You know, I mean, it's. Either yeah. you're Captain America or you're, you're this kind of movie star. And it's like, no, man, you and I were legit three sixes. We were customer service for civil engineers or, you know, and logistics. And so, you know, because when I have that talk with people, they're like, what did you do in the Air Force? I'm like, I did customer service. They're like, are you serious? Like, yeah, I did customer yeah. service for civil engineers. And it's like, I'm really good at my job. You know, contingency operations, I'm good at too. But it's like, I literally learned how to be a customer service person and answer phones. That was like part of the job. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you start know, off the first couple of years, it's like, First, you're, you're, you're just, you know, you're kind of fielding phone calls and it kind of evolves into now you're pulling all the data from the systems. I'm like, OK, then now at the very top level, now you're working with engineers, like degree engineers for like projects and things of that nature. But you definitely. And, and one thing about the military, if you're not good, you'll stay your ass in the front. It doesn't it's not like a guaranteed either. Like we, we used to joke about an individual. He'll re remain nameless, but he was in for a long time, but he, he stayed behind those phones. You know, <laughs> oh, Murray was shot. Always be famous. Yeah, right. my you know opinion. yeah. I mean, it should always be. But, it, you know, because and that leads me to my second point where when people like I've had conversations with numerous people and they're like, oh, y'all veterans, y'all deserve so much. I'm like, no, I legit know a couple of dumbasses like these people were skated their whole careers 
never gave and they get out anything. right yeah. and they're getting out too and people are, are kissing their ass and it's like oh, oh that guy's no, a dipshit that, you know around better day the profile picture just morphs into that that you know what i remember I was, she's the same fucking guy that you know fucking dy while 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 on standby you know what i mean and you you, you fucking trash the military every fucking chance you got now all of a sudden you're mr patriot man so it's like it's funny i just laugh at it man yeah because you know those those guys exist too you know it's it's like um it's i think because there's so many high performers in the military people automatically assume yep. hey man you get a little foot in your ass and you get a little mm-hmm. act right it's like some yes some definitely I think you and I are definitely the story of that, but there's some, it's like, no, nah, it don't matter. They got five different foots in their ass. They're still yeah. chilling. Cause they just didn't care. Yep. And so, it's kind of, it's not you know, a job where they would have fired you immediately. It takes time in the military. Like it's not just that easy. I mean, they, they can get you out if they want to, but it's definitely a process. You know what I mean? So by default, it kind of kept them, kept them around for longer than they needed to be. Yeah. I mean, there's even some people who they was like, you know what? You're going to get out next year. Anyways, we'll just let you, we'll, we won't let you reenlist you can ride out the storm yep. and, but it's like, they're still there for a year right. making the same amount of money as the next person next to them. Who's, who's a high performer. Yep. And there's another guy who's a, like maybe a B who's maybe not the best, but he's doing as best he can. They're all making the same amount of money. Yeah. Sometimes we reward mediocrity because it's easier sometimes to hide that individual. That's what you see in the military a lot. Cause you know, it may take you five, six months to get enough paperwork to get them out. It's easier just to give them a task that, they're getting way paid way too much to do and then overwork the people that care, which it sucks. Um, but that's kind of how it's designed when it's difficult to get rid of people unless you have like legit reasons. Cause you can be a perfect dirtbag formula is when you like, you don't, you, you show up on time, you shave, you do all the easy shit. Um, but you fucking under, like you underachieve at your job just enough where it's just like, Oh, I didn't know any better. So you kind of can float. You know what I mean? Yeah, those are the, those are the guys too. Where someone's like, you know what? It's more hassle to fix your mistakes. I'll just yep. put you in the back, yep, and you have the cush job. Yeah, just I, all I ask is you just come to work. And you're yep. like, okay, and you know, it, to me, it's like those people do exist. That is a reality of the world. Yeah, and so, you know, speaking of like those ones that are kind of like that, is that something that you saw early enough in your career to there and say, okay, I don't want to be it, or like. Or think I've thought about them too. Like they're kind of probably the smartest people we know. Right. So, so I mean, it's a balance, right? Because um, I think when I was younger and less mature, I looked at it from the standpoint of they're winning, right? Like they're, they, you know, uh, they they've got the best of the world. They're getting paid to do less. Kind of the same standpoint when you look at it from like, hey, I joined the Air Force. You joined the Marines. You you, you call me chair voice, but at the end of the day, I mean, for me, you're, you're mad because I have better living conditions. I feel like I'm the smart one. But um, one thing that I learned, um, and, and you know pretty well, is that unfortunately those same individuals that do float, they may not do, they may not do as much work as you. But at the same time, they they don't have any respect, right? Like nobody respects them in the unit. It's kind of like an un, you know, written thing that they're, you know, uh, that they're viewed, they're not viewed well, right? And I think from a pride perspective, um, and you know, I'm, I'm a naturally ambitious person. I think once I got past that age, like once I get past like the age of twenty. I realized I don't want to be that individual, right? So I, I think that that pride in my last name was more important than getting over. So you know, and that's 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 I think that's how the military makes people work more for a little money, honestly, because it is a reputation. It is one of the ones where you want to work hard because you want people to sit there and say, like, "Hey, who's this?" Like, "Oh, okay, it's good to go." Yep. You know, because yep. of this individual, we know it's good to go. Exactly. And 
like I said, I, I think that's a balancing arc that we have to really start instilling in the military because that is great to have that drive. But after a while, you can start believing your own bullshit where you start thinking everything you do is gold. Yeah, right. You know, you know, there's this, uh, there's a saying that you know, the way you do one thing is the way you should do everything, right? So just like, you know, it, it's something that I try to keep in mind. Whether it's you know, if you wake up at five in the morning to get a workout in before you you uh, you go to work, which I try to do, right? Just because you do that every day, that's cool and everything. But if you go in that motherfucker and you bullshit it, you're wasting your time, right? So. And then that's going to translate into you bullshitting your your work, and that's going to translate into you bullshitting your side hustle. So I try to bring that same energy with everything, and hopefully it kind of translates. And the thing that sucks is you don't really see the results immediately. You kind of have to wait. You know, the old compound compound effect thing. You got to wait like six months to a year. Be like, okay, those little things that I thought didn't matter um, ultimately had a big impact on my life. You know what I mean? So. And so one thing I want to talk about that I think is a little bit more, probably a little bit more serious and a little bit more controversial is your take on this one. And I'll, I'll kind of give a preference of what I see from it first and then kind of let me know. So uh, I remember, you know, we had Senior Ponte that was an E8. Yep. Um, and for me, him being Latino, me being Latino, right. seeing a Latino available yep. kind of gave me like, hey, we could do this too. Right. Especially and so we see a lot of them. We, we didn't, first and foremost, we never seen, for those that didn't know, in certain positions in the military, it's almost fucking impossible to make certain ranks. Like E8 and E9 for the job that we did uh, was unheard of. Like they were unicorns, right? So I can imagine the pride you've seen when it's like a Latino with with that rank that was like impossible to get. And so, you know, and, and, and I say that because I think minorities, especially as you go into certain, you know, probably certain branches, I don't know all of them, yeah. but you start getting to E7, E8, E9, there becomes a point where there's a certain color or certain colors that are not representative, you shall say. Right. And so I had a conversation with one individual. Uh, we'll probably talk offline about that one. Um, and I was telling him about this, like, hey, you know, you got to be careful who you're talking to because you have a reputation of not being able to talk to individuals correctly. Yeah. You got to talk to how you talk to some of these kids come from like back, you know, poor neighborhoods and da, 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 this and that. Right, right. And he, he looked at me, he goes, but everyone I look at, they're not my color. Like I see everyone in my chain of command isn't white. So I don't understand where you're coming from on this one because everyone in my chain of command, that's a E7, that's an E8 and an E9, you know, and, and those ones, they're all minorities. And so I had to yeah. kind of take a tape back because from my perspective, we're not very well represented at the higher ranks. But from his perspective, he was like, I don't see anyone that looks like me either. And it's all minorities here. I mean, it wasn't a problem for him, not, not that at all, but yeah. I didn't see that as an issue for him. Right. So, 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 so he, I mean, he was Caucasian? Yep. So he's a white guy. And he's sitting there saying like, hey, man, you know, this individual is not that. I, I, I think, you know, I'm assuming that individual probably, he probably wasn't in the military for long. Cause I think, I think, uh, anybody, um, you know, this isn't from like, I'm trying not to, you know, sound biased by any means. But I think anybody can, can honestly say that the majority of leadership in the military, especially from an officer side of the house or even from an enlisted side of the house, um, I mean, Caucasians are the, the majority in the U S so, but, but from a military standpoint, of course, they're going to, um, they're going to take, make up for the majority of those positions. So he may not have witnessed it at that base, but I mean, you've been in the Air Force for like three minutes, buddy. Like, because I think you've well, so, been in the Air Force for more than seven, eight years would have probably been able to discern that. Well, the, the way I was coming at him was kind of sitting there saying, like, "Hey, you need to be careful because, 
Like a lot of these kids that are coming in the military, they haven't seen someone like you. I was trying to go at that way. And that's when he shot back at that saying, well, like from my perspective, everyone that's yeah. killing it right now doesn't look like me. I'm not represented within this flight. So that's what I'm saying, like within yeah. that small level. And that was right. at the current base. It wasn't at, um, it wasn't saying like for the whole air force, he was saying right yeah. now on my, in my current standards, yeah. it's not that. And that was a, and I had to reflect on myself sitting there saying like, I'm automatically thinking that you understand it from the other side because you're white and not looking at saying, yeah, it kind of affects us all. But what I want to ask you though, is how do you feel that's affecting your military career or how do you affect it is feeling that you don't really see much, you almost are becoming a unicorn yourself. Yeah, man, it's something that, um, you know, I think that's one of those things that you're going to have to experience, whether it's the military or on the civilian side, you know, um, and I think uh, represent, representation does matter, right? So I think that does kind of give you an extra, an additional chip on your shoulder to make sure that you don't let down the individuals that may look up to you, right? Um, because you don't want to end up as uh, somebody that lets them down, right? Um, but it's, it's just something that you, you have to, um, you just kind of have to adjust to. Uh, again, you know, circling back to the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about just being authentic and um, not necessarily just being a leader that you read from from the uh, PDG or from a book, right? I think um, I try to do my best to um, stay professional, but also stay authentic to who I am as an individual and try not to um, change any core principles or my character um, just to fit a certain mold because I think um, people can see through that and people won't respect, even if they do respect me for it, I don't want anybody to respect me for me being not who I am. And I do come from an urban background and I was paranoid, man. Um, I, I spoke to one of my mentors about before I got, um, so I got, I don't have a full sleeve, I got a half sleeve, right? And I think, um, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, um, there's some certain stereotypes that um, minorities have to deal with that uh, Caucasians may not have to deal with as far as with tattoos and things of that nature. So I, I had a long talk with them. Um, that person's now a chief. And he has two sleeves, right? So um, it's a perfect example of um, don't let um, biases or stereotypes hold you back. Just do you, and it'll mm. let, let it shine through. So I, I try to keep that mindset with me. Yeah, you know, when it when it comes to you know we said earlier about representation matters, I always wonder, and I have wondered about myself the most is because I'm I'm Latino, and anytime I get a military, you know, when I was working there, and there's Latino, I want to help them out, let them know. Yeah. But I always wondered to myself, am I also part of the problem? Because am I also keeping it divided? Because I'm making it more aware that this individual is a certain color and that there's not a lot like him. Am I also part of the problem? I don't. So, you know, um, and, and let me preface this by saying I don't I'm not speaking. I'm only speaking for me. Right. I'm speaking from my, my personal standpoint on it. I think it's normal to want to help somebody that you relate to. Right. And I think on a on a subconscious level um, that happens already with, with Caucasian individuals, they may have, uh, they may be from the same certain town as their troop. Um, and they, they gravitate towards those individuals and they become superstars mainly because of their, um, their similarities. So I don't think there's anything wrong with what you did. And, you know, I, I do that myself. I try to put my arms around individuals that come from similar circumstances, whether it's not just African American, but if you're from Houston and, you know, um, you know, I feel like I have an obligation to um, not over anybody else, but I have an obligation to make sure that you're successful and I'll try to give you the same tools that I wish I had. I think that's normal. I think that's human nature. You know what I mean? I think it's just not 
magnified for uh for other races right it's, it may not be magnified for caucasians because it's more like there's so many of them it doesn't you can't tell but if there's only two latinos right and then you you're helping those two it may look worse than the optics may look worse than it really is you know well you know i mean but also at the same time if let's say you are white and you do sit there and say like hey man we're having this and it's you know we want to just reach whites only fucking uproar you know what i mean, I mean that's that's what uh, i look at it like, man, that's that's the cost of being the uh, the dominant race in the world man i'm sorry like, but I, I, you know I mean so. at the same time though like you know i mean what i'm saying is if, if if i do something and then you do it and i bitch about you doing it then why am i doing it and that's you know that's how i look at it that way I mean, that, that's like you know it's it's like when people are like man how come you know like, there's like there's a black entertainment network it's not white well there kind of is it's like mtv and like like the other 300 channels, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like- but at the same time frame, there's nothing that like, you know, my, my whole thing really, a lot, a lot of these things. And like I said, I know this is a really controversial topic yeah. and you know what I mean? But I think these need to be talked about because I, I think so much, even in the military, because people do not know that for a certain amount of time, you could, you had to be a certain race to be in the military. Like there is yeah. a reason why the, uh, um, why they're famous, you yeah. know, pilots for what they do, right? Yeah, like, so there, there's, you know, it's funny, there's, there's legitimately awards, right? People are like, why are there like awards strictly for women? Why are there awards strictly for African American or for uh, Hawaiian individuals, right? There's blacks in government, there's Tuskegee. Technically, they're not, you know, they're not supposed to only be for black individuals. Um, the the woman one, you can't really debate that one. Um, but typically, African Americans are the ones who apply for these awards. The reason why these awards exist is because traditionally, once you know the military wasn't was desegregated, um, blacks were blacks and minorities weren't represented in the awards category, so they kind of had to make one. They had to kind of create ones to give them those opportunities. So that's why these things exist because there was a problem, and um, some people think, are, are we overcorrecting the issue? Do we need to kind of revisit it? Or maybe we do. Maybe that's a conversation that we need to have, but let's not pretend like it's always been great. You know what I mean? I think that's where we, mm. we, we stunt our growth when we try to ignore um, ugly histories that, that we have as a society or a nation. Yeah. I think, yeah, I definitely think we got to talk about the ugly. Right. Yeah. And, and so like, I, I love to talk about the ugly cause it, it needs to be addressed. And then my only problem is, is there a problem where I'm not helping us go forward because now I'm still talking about the ugly? You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you can only talk about it for so long. Exactly. Yeah. You, you can't sit and dwell and complain on it. Right. You know, I've, I've got, I've had other friends um, in the military that will remain nameless that, you know, every time I speak to them and there's a problem, it's, it's because of their race. And I have to, sometimes you have to have those hard, those tough conversations with them. My like, man, I can't do that every time. Right. Um, I try my best to, um, block that out as much as I can, right? Because I, I'm, I believe in ownership, right? So you, um, you take accountability for whatever the problem is, and that gives you the power to change it. If you, if you, if you put the power, uh, the responsibility solely on somebody else, you, you can't do nothing at that point. You're helpless. So I try not to fall on that crutch. But there, there've been instances in the military where um, I do feel like it, it, it probably my, my, my ethnicity played a played a role in it. To be honest with you, it's just. We're, we're flawed human beings, man. It should happen. So, yeah, and I know when I talk to my kids, sometimes that's always something that I'm always thinking about is because I'm addressing because we're having a conversation a little bit earlier than maybe some other kids are, based off that we are a little bit different than everyone else. Are yep. we also creating this image where you kind of look for it? Because sometimes you you know you and I might have a, we could have an issue with someone else. We kind of look at each other and be like, "Do you think?" You know, and, and the, yeah. these are real situations. I we kind of these. 
that happens, man. It happens all the time. It's like, yeah, 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 you have to. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's important that we, we have those though, man, because, um, it just, it stops us from being blind to the realities of life, man. There's unfortunately, man, there's certain individuals that come from backgrounds where, um, it's frowned upon, right? Like the, the military brings people from all walks of life together. So some people are from smaller towns where they've, I've literally been in basic training with somebody that said, yeah, man, my graduating class has one black person, man. Um, you know, like they don't understand anything about my culture, where I'm from, and they've already kind of had preconceived notions, man. So though um, it can, that can happen, I think it's still important to have those conversations with, with our children, man, because uh, it's the world we live in. Yeah. Like, like I said, I, I always like debate that scene because I always wonder if we're always pushing the, the racial conversation, is there a problem where we're always creating the, like there is like, and we didn't know there was a such thing as a race or you and I, and we're having a problem with someone else and we look at each other and we, and there's always that look that we can always give each other, kind of look at each other like, are you sure? Right. And you'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of worried about this too. Would that have happened if we weren't taught at a young age that, Hey, you are different because your skin color, you know what I mean? Like this is yeah. something I'm always thinking about. Yeah. I, th I think that's fair to say. I think it's fair to say. Um, I just, you know, you know, for the rare instances where, um, you know, your, your child may be in a situation that could impact their, their life or, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough situation. That's why it's, I think it's important to, to have at least some talk, but you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be that individual that, that brings it up too much because then now you're right. positioning them in a negative manner and, and you're, you're creating a, an equal problem by creating somebody that might resent, resent someone for something they, they haven't even done yet. You know what I mean? And you and I both know a lot of people that are not minority at all. And they're good people. Like they're just genuinely care. And so th that's why I always worry about that. Yeah, cause life, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I think there's just people that are, and you know, there's people that come from certain areas where you would like, it's easier to sit there and say, maybe they're feeling this way cause they're from an area, yeah. but they generally care about people yep. and they just, you know, and so that's why I always have to have that devil's advocate because I already have too many instances of knowing other people that's like, Nah, it's not true for them, you know? Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly, man. I, I think that's, um, yeah, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the, the people that I've met in the military uh, that are not minorities have been great. I've, I've, I've met a few, a very, very small percentage because it's difficult to confirm, right? These, are those, these aren't conversations that people have um, in the open. They're conversations that are happening behind closed doors. And a lot of it's like left to your intuition, like, uh it doesn't seem right like your gut tells you but there's there's no proof because people understand right. that it's legal now back in the day it, it, you could have been more open but you can't now so again um the majority of the people i've met have, have been stand up so yeah i think that's important to kind of talk about those things because you know especially with what today the news or whatever you kind of see like yeah. people are almost really quick to say these words and it's like yeah. i don't know because the only kind of discrimination I faced was when I was in, when I was stationed in South Dakota, um, I took my cards to the shop and this guy, you know, came out in a classic, you know, dude with a big gut, uh, with some overalls, no t-shirt just say, Hey boy, you need to get out of here. And I was like, Holy shit. Like, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's like, Hey, you know, I'm from where I'm at, where, you know, all the, you know, I'm in the Vadio, So I'm, I'm in Arnett Benson. So I'm in the North side of town where all the Mexicans are at. That's where I come from. So being in an area where we're all out together, I'm like, I, you know, I've heard of this stuff, but I've never experienced it. Yeah. And then, you know, going to other parts um, where, you know, you're with a lot of minorities and you don't get the same service, you're kind of left to wonder.
But what I would like to ask you, though, what about within the military that it's actually, you know, at the higher levels, both good and bad, where someone has sit there and say, you know what, I got in trouble and it wasn't because of my skin color. It's just fair. Or were there some ones where you got in trouble and it left you worrying? Was it because of your skin? Yeah. So for me, uh, I I don't think um, I so personally, I I don't think any of any of the times I have messed up was uh, was a result of my my skin color like messing up per se or or getting in trouble no um but maybe um maybe not having some of the same opportunities yeah i think so um but i've also seen situations where um uh you know it's kind of worked in my benefit right i, I think um you know uh, being able to relate uh to certain supervisors uh, that were the same complexion as me right um may have open some doors that, that, that may not have been there. Who knows? Right. So I try not to, again, when it comes to like the race issue, I understand it exists, but, um, you know, maybe it's just cause of a personal mentality of mine. I try not to dwell on it too much, man, because ultimately, you know, going back to what I said before, man, you give somebody else control of your life. Right. So even if it is the case, cool, whatever, like whatever, cause I'm the type of person, man, like I get in a dark place when I try to find motivation. I, I pull that from anywhere. I create problems sometimes, but that's just because sometimes you just, you know what motivates you to get you to the next level. So man, it's like, all right, well, if that is the case, cool. Now, now let's double up. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I do think we're at a point in, in our, in, in the military where it shouldn't stop you, right? Even if you do run into, hypothetically, you run into a base, you, you get stationed in an area where your leadership um, is uh, biased towards your race or may have some prejudice. The good thing about the military, unlike a civilian job, man, either they're going to leave or you're going to leave. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you got like two, three years um, before before one person leaves. Um, the part that sucks is what you know is when you're in the when you're the the lower ranking individual, and let's just say a, a higher up may not like you because of the color of your skin. Even when they leave, if that higher up person has influence that stigma, stigma may stick with you and it wasn't your fault. Um, but nine times out of 10, it's, you're, you're normally not just 100% just innocent. Like it's, you know, it's a, it's a combination of you fucking up too. You got to take that into consideration. Yeah. Cause you know, we, you've seen that photo that goes around where it's like those army guys that are all, I'd say in the Humvee or something, they're all sleeping. Like this is the military. I was like, true. hundred percent. Um, but it's like, also we cannot not talk about some issues sometimes. And I think a lot of times that, everything's political where we get into it. And now the military has become more political as well. Um, and it's like, Hey man, you know, we can talk about these issues and we don't have to bring a political party into it. Yep. We can sit there and say, Hey, this is my experience. And I can say, this is my experience. And yep. we, we couldn't, we can learn from it. We can be wrong. We can be wrong. We can be right. You know, but that's the thing is, I think kind of like what you said, we don't have to dwell on it, yep. you know? And I just want to make sure that, you know, we don't always get into the habit of always in there. Like, that's why I always wonder, am I doing it too much because I'm always pulling the Latino aside real quick? Yeah. Am I always saying like, hey, man, this guy over here, you know, you know, Jody over here was a good guy. It, it didn't have anything to do about his color. So he should have the same opportunity. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it comes from all sides looking at saying, are we kind of going one side too much? Because at the end of the day, I do believe it should be that, you know, that's why I was, that's what made me think about it. Because am I not giving this other kid the opportunity to learn something? Right because I want to make sure the Latino has a, a fair advantage, but now he has an unfair advantage. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's fair. That's fair. I, you know, um, you know, for me, I don't think I've ever let, let that, uh, play a role in, 
um, whether it's awards or recognition, but it, it, it did play a role in me um, maybe taking longer to try to explain to those individuals that may have come from similar backgrounds for me, like how big of a deal it is, right? Like this isn't one of those situations where you could you should take for granted because unlike certain individuals from other backgrounds, if this doesn't work for you, man, statistically speaking, you're fucked, man. Like, so you don't have a degree and then you got kicked out of the military from like, not from not an honorable standpoint, but you, you were forced out. So that's two strikes against you. Now you don't really have any skills either. You know what I mean? And then you're going back around the same individuals that are doing the same dumb shit they were doing before. So like odds are you, you, I'm not, I'm not trying to like give you a death sentence, but statistically speaking, you're probably going to uh, wind up like your friends. You know what I mean? So I will say, um, I, I just feel like it's almost an obligation of mine. Um, because if I think from a conscious standpoint, you know, if, if they were to ever go back to that and I've witnessed that happen several times, uh, even with the conversations, right. Cause you can't force people to listen. Um, you know, that's the one thing that I will say that I may, I may give them an extra 45 minutes of mentoring. Um, is that right or wrong? I don't know. I just feel like one person might need it more. You know what I mean? Because because person number A, they go back. They told me, oh, man, my dad owns a ranch. You know what I mean? I, I'm doing this just because. You know what I mean? I was tired of being at home. You know what I mean? So, like, if he goes back, he may be okay. You know, he's got a, a, you know, a truck waiting for him and a job, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, those, those are things to actually – you know, we see those stories because people don't understand you. You are getting a lot of different people from all different backgrounds. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're getting the people who are like, I'm good, man. I kind of just I'm just kind of and sometimes they don't give a lot of effort because yeah. they're going to go back home and they're good. Yeah. And it's almost sometimes like it was like a, like a little check mark for them to sit there and say, exactly. they, you know, they did their time. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of you and I have that in common where it's kind of like. You know, it's either this or we're going to go through a lot of uh, a lot of downs. Right, right, right. I felt like um, for me personally, you know, I, I I try to keep keep it as as real as I can with the people that ask me. Right, I try not to give the the quote unquote right answer all the time. Like, hey, why'd you join the military? It's not because I, you know, I didn't I didn't see what happened in nine eleven. I was like, you know what, I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, man. I, I joined the military because I realized that at the end of the day. Um, I don't trust myself to take a $60,000 loan out, right? And be disciplined enough when I have, you know, uh, partying, women, and all these distractions, because I'm barely making it in high school right now, right? Just because of, I understand that I'm, um, I'm more inclined to, to want to party and, and chase women, right? And, and have fun. I, I, I wasn't, you know, I knew that, Doing that in college would, would cost me to be in 60000 in debt and nothing to show for it. And now I'm like, I'm behind everybody else. So I joined the military because it's like, hey, I want to give this college thing a shot. If college doesn't work, at least I have some, some skills. And then I've got, like, I've been in the military, had that on my resume. And then um, I'm able to save up some money while I'm in the military. So I'm starting at age, because I thought I was going to get out in four years. You know, when I'm 21, 22, I'm starting with, I got my car paid off. I got an associate's degree. And then I've got experience, so I can hop into a job that pays 40K. So that's what was my mindset. You know, it wasn't necessarily just because I wanted to just be a, a war hero. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's, it's, it's important, I think, as supervisors, we just keep it real. Like, man, I didn't, that's not what my intent was, you know? Well, definitely, you know, my same thing with me. It's like, you know, 9 11 happened and it wasn't like call to action for me. I yeah, was like, well, okay. <laughs> 
you know what I mean? I, I was poor, man. Yeah. You know? Yep. And so, you know, what got me in there was actually I was in high school and a recruiter said, Hey man, you know, we can pay for your kids. And I was like, you know what? My, you know, my girlfriend at the time just says she's pregnant, you know? And then I was like, sign me up. I was, I was probably one of the easiest people that ever like signed up for him. Cause I was just like, all right, I'll sign. And yeah. he was like, you don't want to watch the video. Like, yeah. I, I don't care, man. Like, yeah, you know, cause I looked around and you know, I was like, if, if I'm going to have a kid, I'm 18, I'm failing college. I'm failing high school, by the way. Like I'm not doing very good. Um, there, I don't see a job. The only job that I was looking at doing was a prison guard. And I think it had to be 21. Yeah. So I was just like, I don't see this going very well. And someone just said they could pay for a kid. So I thought it was the easiest, like, yeah, for sure. cool. And you know, I, I, those are things that people need to talk about too. Cause I think there, there are some legit people who are very patriotic and sit there and say, yeah. I will fight for my country. Um, there's a lot of us that are like, yeah. I need a way out. And, and I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, I respect those individuals the same. I, I just think we just need to stop with, you know, I, I'd rather us be transparent and that, like let it be okay to just be honest. Like, hey, man, I, I joined because of the benefits. I didn't join for like a self selfless reason. Reason, you know, I mean, I think once I got in and the more I matured, I realized that I have a bigger purpose, right? Like, um, I started to kind of drink the Kool Aid, right, and realize, okay, what I am doing impacts this on this scale. That's cool. Like that grew in me. That wasn't like my. Uh, my intent coming through the gates and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I, that's also, it has to be okay. Right. Cause that, I mean, it's truthful and you know, there's, there's always going to be some that feel the need to fight and there's going to also be some see like, I'm just looking out for me. Cause yeah, I don't really have a lot of know, options right now, but you know I mean? It, and it's also like, I'm very patriotic now, Yeah, yeah. but you know, 17, 18 years old, I, yeah. I could care less about anything around. I didn't even know anything. Yeah. And so, that's true. I think that's also something that, you know, we kind of, you know, I hate to say, it, but a lot of people that are like, that say what they join, you're like, damn, dude, it makes me feel like shit. Cause I know that wasn't even close yeah, to right. me, my answer, <laughs> you know? And, and also like the reason why I joined the air force was also because I was like, I'm looking for the easiest gig I can find right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie to you. And I was like, you know what? You know, I've, I've heard the horror stories about these, you know, folks sleeping out here and like we weren't even sleeping in tents, man. They're just out here sleeping on a straight floor and like in the, in the field, man. That's not me. I'm not cut from that cloth, man. I, I prefer. I know. Food, you know what I mean? So I mean, again, more power to you. But if you're telling me that we can be in the same, we we can be in the same serve, uh, not the same service, but we can work for the same uh, government, get paid the same amount of money, but I get to be behind a desk. And, you know, writing up things, I, I give me option B all day, you know, you know, but, but when it comes to working in the air force, I really do believe that being in the air force kind of helped me prepare for a lot of, especially our, our job. It has prepared me for things that I had no clue I had a skill at that. I didn't know were not were skills, you know, yep. you know, being able to, to talk to somebody or trying to let someone down who's higher ranking you and let them know you, they can't get what they want because of, you know, whatever issue yep. that has served me very well in life. Yeah. I mean, just in general, man, I think because I came in so young, the, the basics, I mean, I didn't know how to properly format um, a business email, right? Like, um, or or just correspondence or um, public speaking was another thing, right? You're kind of forced to on a weekly basis, um, you know, navigate now and get, you know, higher in rank, not navigate the politics in the sense of um, realizing that there are certain cliques, man, just like fucking high school, you know what I mean? On a bigger scale, of course. And people are just there, you know, they're in certain uh, groups. And if you don't go golf, you know, if you don't come to that, uh, that, that event at this time, it could affect you 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I think all those things prepare you for like corporate America or just the real world in general. So. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's one of the ones where I'm very grateful that I went for the air force. And that's why I say, like, I think we have a lot of things going for us, you know, when it comes to civilian counterpart. And with that one, how much longer is it till you retire? So for me, I've got roughly, what is it about eight years? Yeah. About eight years left. Right? So I'm, 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 yeah, it's a while. So I, I'm, I'm going up on, I'll, I'll be creeping up on, uh, 13 years here. So in the next month, so actually about closer to seven. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I'll say seven. I think it makes me feel better. So seven years until, until I'm out the game. So, you know, and we've had this conversation before. What are some of the plans that you're looking at? And it's so early, but I think it is so vital yeah. to actually have an idea of kind of what's the next chapter look like for you. Right, right. So, yeah, so one of my biggest goals is to uh, make sure my master's is knocked out before I get out. Um, I'll be wrapping up my bachelor's this summer, finally. I, I finally, last year, my a lot of my personal goals were, like, physical-related, and I think that's just because that's what I, I enjoy doing. And then I realized this year, man, like, that's not paying the bills. You need to stop bullshitting and knock out the shit that you need to knock out. So, um, yeah, so definitely um, I want to make sure that I set myself up for if I wanted to work civil service, I have the credentials to do so. Right. Um, but ultimately, man, if everything works out the way I want it to. Right. Um, I'm, I'm going to put myself in a situation uh, in a position where my assets will be able to uh, allow me to to not work if I don't want to. Right. So I can continue to search that passion because uh, I don't think in seven years I'll figure out what it is. I may get lucky, but I want to make sure that I, I align my my assets in a way where um, my retirement, along with those things, will, will make me. It, it won't matter. You know what I mean? I could possibly just stay home if I wanted to. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, I mean, to or for you to even have the idea of sitting there saying, hey, the next chapter looks like this, I, I think that's good. And I think a lot of the reasons why a lot of people suffer from getting out of the military, especially retirees, is they're in it to win it until it's time to go. Because, I mean, you're thinking about these plans, but work's not stopping for you. Yeah. You're a young, young, young guy still. So you know that there's multiple chances for EA for you. And I'll tell you, and so thing, man, I, you know, I had a conversation with my wife about this. I, I firmly believe that if they come back with uh, the early separation, well, not early, not early separation, early retirement, which I think was called Terra, where you can get out at 15, um, I'm pretty sure I'll do it, man, as long as obviously as the education works. Because the suit, the quicker I can get to um, that freedom, I think, I think that – the reality of not having that, like the military as, uh, you know, that crutch or that um, foundation right there will, will, will kind of spark something in you. Because I think one thing that you could probably attest to, once you got out, you realize, man, this shit's real. Like, it's all me. It's it's all or nothing. And uh, the rest is history, right? Yeah. You know, now that I'm doing the stuff I'm doing now, it's like it is on me. I don't really have to work unless I want to. Yeah. And so, you know, but I fall back on my military training. I have a schedule. I have everything time blocked. Um, time blocking has really worked out really well for me. So, you know, I'll sit there and say, okay, from nine to 10, we're doing social media content. And that's what we're doing. You know, at this certain time, lunch is, lunch is programmed. And, you know, we're doing business building from six to seven thirty. That has really helped me sit there saying, okay, for right now, I'm going to focus on, you know, it, it's from like Gary Keller's book, like one thing, right? So at this one time, I'm going to focus my entire energy on this one task at hand. And I really like what I've been able to produce because what I'm able to produce at an hour is a lot more than a whole day because I'm like, for this one hour, 
one thing. And I have to tell myself one thing is this, cause you know, I'm trying to go all over the place, but you know, that's it. And so that's kind of helping right now that we're doing the podcast and so they're saying, okay, podcasting is done at this time. Yeah. You know, that's what we're going to do. I have it scheduled. Okay, cool. And when we're going to go editing is this time frame. try to look at different things and those aspects. And I think that's something that you can do very well for yourself, especially, you know, being, being having the foresight ahead of time right now. So then say like, I already know that I need to find what I want to do. I don't know if I can find it yet. So let's just try to prepare ourselves for the fact that I might, I may get out and, you know. Yeah. I think, you know, it's really just about kind of building those contingencies up. Right. So it's just like, okay, from a, from a finance standpoint, I want to make sure that my family is good. Like, you know, we, we, we were responsible enough where if, if the worst case scenario happened, we'd be good for a very long time. Right. So that's one. And two would be like, okay, well, now, if my entrepreneurial ventures don't work, you've got a master's fallback on with 20 years of military experience. It's not going to be difficult for you to get a job. If you don't want to, if you don't find a job, it's because your ego is not letting you uh, accept this because you think you're worth 100K, right? So um, it's really, for me, um, leading up to retirement, it's just uh, creating all these safety nets to allow me to really just, like I said, the freedom um, to explore whatever I want to do. And even if that means I only get paid 30 K a year, um, because I work, um, at the airport somewhere. Um, but I, I get flying benefits right now. Now I get to fly and visit, um, all these countries and that's my passion, right? So my, my job may not be, my status may not be up there. I don't work for fucking NASA or something, but, um, it's, it's causing, I, I'm fulfilled because it's, um, it's funding my venture of traveling. Right. So, Again, I just want to leave as many options as I can open uh, for me. And who knows, right? You know, uh, seven years from now, real estate and my other investments could do so well that, you know, I just do that full time. Who knows, right? So I think it's all about just giving yourself so many different avenues um, to be successful that it won't really necessarily, like you're not limiting yourself to, uh, you know, do or die situation. You, you know, as you're talking about this, it's crazy because, you know, one of my one of the worst things I did when I got out was I had one plan. I was watching, I was listening to so much motivation, yeah. and a lot of the motivation was, um, you know, I think it was I don't I forgot who it was, but it was like don't create a plan B, create a plan A, like don't fail. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that to the T, and plan A fucking failed <laughs> horrible yeah. for me, and it set me in a downward spiral. It took me years to recover because I I literally had only one fucking plan. Yeah. And I literally believed in all my might that it was going to happen. And when, when it did not happen, um, that's when, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, one thing that I did not know happened and I want to ask you, you know, how you feel about this though, was the issues of deployments. I didn't know that was an issue for me now, or, you know, that I was going to get out. Do you see that, even though you feel like you're back to normal, do you feel like, is there some kind of contingency plan you have? that those issues you've had before will creep up once you get out? Uh, you mean as far as um, while I'm on deployments or you, you mean you mean they may affect my, my mental health like the yes. when I get out? Right. So once you get out, you know, even though you feel good now, right. you're, you know, you're, you're depressed because you get out. Yeah. You know, I think you're going to be depressed. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you've kind of thought about like this might come back again? Yeah, man. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I, not even when I get out, I think about it, you know, because, uh, you know, just to be transparent with you, man, a lot of my, the PTSD and the depression and anxiety I got um, from my deployments really stemmed from the place I was at was dangerous as shit. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that wasn't the problem. The problem was 
I um my kids, man, they're um they just don't get it, right? They so I think they they were pretty upset at me for leaving, right? And that hits differently for me, right? Like they legitimately were just like disappointed, like it was a decision, a personal decision I made to leave them. You know what I mean? So I think that's something that I'm going to experience um, the next deployment. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't matter how much you talk to them. I think internally they've already. Uh, that's just something that's just in their spirit, right? Specifically, my daughter. So, um, you know, I think you know. Hopefully, now that I know what a bad therapist looks like, when I, once I get out and I deal with um, the depression from whether you know missing the military, um, I can you know hopefully find a therapist that. Um, that can help me get through it, right? Because I think there's a, there's a lot of people that have been through similar situations with me and they got through it. So I think that's because they have a good team and good resources, which I did not have, unfortunately, before. But now um, I know what to look for, right? So the therapist is something that you're, you're still like, you would, you know, use in the future? No doubt, no doubt, man. I think that's huge, man. I think in my, for my community, I can't speak for others, but my community, it was, um, you know, I come from a pretty um, poor urban background, and I think a lot of individuals that come from those uh, circumstances probably need therapy, right? Your your parents may be on drugs. Um, you know, your, your parents may have gotten killed. Um, there's a lot of things that jack you up, man, and um, it's not a thing. It's not, like, first of all, you're poor. You can't afford therapy. That's one. And two, it's like it's nobody takes it seriously because... You know, even though they barely have high school diplomas, they think that therapy is a waste of time. Like, like you, you know nothing about psychology, but you, you know what I mean? So it's, it's not something that's big in our community, right? And I think it needs to be. Um, and it's one of those things that once you experience uh, what the benefits of it and the more you mature and you get older, you realize it's important, man. So that's one thing I'll be leaning on. And I'll be going more on the civilian side and I'll have a little bit more influence on who's you know, I'm speaking to, I can look at their credentials in the military. You, you just take what they give you. And it's, uh, it's hard as hell to try to leave an individual. I try to get referrals off face and they were like, no, that, this is, this is who, who you got, buddy. Sorry. So. You know, with, with therapy, man, that's good that you're using that as like, Hey man, this might be, this is a tool now. It's not a crutch. It's not, it's a tool now. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, you go through it because what, what I'm worried about is that, you know, because you're so focused and you, you have such a plan. And then if let's say like, you know, it's like the little bit of, you know, setback you're going to have because of like, let's say the mental side. It's like, you know, I just don't want it to deter you so much. So I'm so happy that you actually have a plan. So they're saying, OK, but with that plan, is there any kind of things you have set in place saying if I experience this or if I do this? OK, now it's time to go to therapy without the ego like kind of weighing in. Right. I, I think, to be honest with you, I have, um, I think it's pretty much going to be regardless, right? I think it's already kind of wrapped into that post-military um, life package of mine, because it's either, it's going to be therapy on, on, on two ends regardless. It's either, if things are better than I expect, I'm going to go to be, I'll, I'll be going to therapy from a sense of, what do I want to do with my life? A life coach, which is still a form of therapy, right? Guiding me in the right direction, like a, like a, like a mentor or a coach. And if I'm depressed, it's more of a, hey, help me get through this rut. This other stuff um, can wait. Like, I need to get my mind right first. So I think regardless, it's a part of that um, getting out of the military package, man. Because I've one thing that I have heard that, I'm, you know, depression is real. And it's just because you've been doing the same thing for 20 years. And then just like that, it's like, 
you're Mr. Obanaya now. You're not Matt Sergeant Obi. You're not Sergeant Obi. You're not, you know, they don't even go really by last names anymore. You don't have the camaraderie. All this stuff is gone. And that's all I've known, man. Like, 17. Besides yeah. Sonic, that's all I've known my whole life. So I can imagine it's not going to be a cakewalk um, for sure, man. Um, I've, again, my luckily for me, I, I've got a, a father-in-law who did like 28 years in the Marine Corps, retired at E9, and he dealt with it too. He dealt with it too. And, and he was one of those people, he had a high status, and his ego was through the roof. So going from that, and he um, he couldn't get a job, right? He, he ended up um, uh, having to settle. He's doing great now, by you, right? He has one million, right? But uh, he had to settle for a job at AFES, which for those that aren't familiar, it's basically like Walmart for the military. So he had to work there, and it was like a shot of his ego. He was like, man, I was a fucking E9 managing a hundred plus people now i'm like i'm that guy scanning shit right i'm not sure that was his job i know he worked for apes so uh yeah he, he gave me the real he was like man i was he gained like 40 pounds just because of like man i'm not who i was and then he he thought he thought his family would judge him you know for it because of that but they didn't care you know they, they care for who you are i don't care about what your title is well especially since you know, when we talk about the military and the aspect is we rarely, we will in a heartbeat abuse our family relationship just to get ahead in the military. You know, everyone that we know, love and respect in the military is all in. And so it, it's almost that culture where it's like, hey, I, I can't be home right now. Or yep. like you said earlier, I got to, you know, like you want to be able to you know, to be able to watch a baseball game. So that also indicates that there's times where you can't because you're working or, yep. you know, you know, so let let someone get in trouble at you know at, yep. at, at a certain time at night. You're working now, yep. And so I think that's also good is because you know you got to remember the family's gonna be there, yep. Right, and then they're, they're they're stuck. They're not stuck with you, but they're there with you when you transition. And it, it's sad because when you gave everything you had to the military and none to your family, I think that's where the bitterness comes from. Yep. Do you agree? I, I agree a thousand percent, man. And one one of the biggest things that I think we need to work on in the military and because I am still in, I'm going to keep this very PG, but a lot of places, a lot of bases, they'll tell you, you know, uh, family first, then the mission. Like That's normally not the case, right? It's normally mission and then anything else. Like, you know what I mean? Typically your leadership, they care about those planes going, those sorties being flown, period. They don't care about, they, they, they may try to pretend like they care, but ultimately your personal stuff is your personal stuff. Um, what they don't fail to understand is when, when one is failing, you, you can't do your job effectively anyway. So I'm basically useless to you. I'm, I'm a robot at this point. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, man, um, I think it's an, it's extremely important that you, you know, like one of the, you, I, don't know, I don't know if you've heard this story before. People, a lot of say, people, people say a lot of times one of the prerequisites to be an E7 or, or even an E8 is you have to go through at least one divorce. So I think that tells you a lot about. <laughs> being in the military and the strain it takes on your family life. Like the joke is like, you got to at least have one divorce under your belt. If you want to make eight, you know what I mean? Um, so I think that, that speaks volumes about what the military can do to your family life. Yeah. I had a retiree tell me, um, he retired in 2013 and he was telling me like, you know, he was saying out in front of a lot of us, but he was saying what he had to go through was he had to understand that the uniform, you know, serving his country, wasn't who he was it was just his responsibility right 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 and he didn't have his identity wrapped in it and it's like yeah you know i was like yeah i had to write that one down because it was yeah. one of the ones like yeah i think we get so assumed and i think that's why a lot of vets have these problems you know because right now you're in it 
you are Sergeant Obi. Your phone rings, boom, someone ha- someone wants your attention. It's yeah. it's for work related. Um and it's like it almost becomes what well, it's not it's not almost it is who you are. It, you know, it's hard to go home and say your dad, but you know, how many times have you had a friend over and they still, you know, like they might call you Obi, but that's like almost work Obi, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to you got to correct them, man, like cuz and that's the reason why a lot of us man we, we, we choose not to live on base because you just need a break from it. You know what I mean? You don't want to be walking your dog and, and here in retreat or, you know what I mean? And having to just stop and pop at attention. It's like sometimes you just want to be able to just be Ryan. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I think you hit it right on the head. I, I seen a former NFL player. He made a big post about that. It's just that, you know, once you once you retire from the game or once once you can't do it anymore, you have to realize that, Okay, yeah, I played a sport for, but that's not who I am. It doesn't represent me. Like that's just, that was just one po- uh, one one period of time in my life, and I think you you see it sometimes, man. Those guys, as the retirees, they, they they just can't. Like they're still posting like they're in. I'm like, man, they. It's I was no no knock to them, but sometimes, man, you, you got to realize there's more to life than that. It's over. Man. You 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 retired 20 years ago, buddy. You're still a part of these. You know, like every, you're still bringing up, well, back when I was in, it's over. Like, you, you, it's time to embrace that second part of your life. I told my wife, man, please check me if I'm always, if, I, if I'm ever that person. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, I think this is a controversial thing sometimes too to say, but I think a lot of fucking military guys, um, and not guys, but military people fucking peak. And, you know, I mean, like they did four, they did six, they did eight, whatever. And to them, that becomes the greatest thing they ever did in their life. Yeah. And so I was explaining this to my wife, like, I don't want that to be me. I, and you know, it's like, even the issues I got going on, I don't want it to be the greatest thing I ever did in my life was the air force. And she was like, why? And I was like, I was like, it's not that I'm not proud of it, but the air force gave me so many tools and so many things to actually have a great fucking life. And so my logic is like, I don't want to be, I don't want this to be the it. I'm too fucking young for that to be it. You know, like you're saying. You retired twenty years ago, and you're still talking yeah, about this talking shit, about the like good old days and how it was better. Yeah, this. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that's something that I've looked at, kind of going forward, instead of saying like, "I'm glad I was in. I'm glad I did my time." But I don't want it to be the next part of my life, looking back at the old chapter, sentence, like reflecting on that. Like, I want yeah. it to be like, "Hey, man, that would be, I want some blurred, good right? shit to happen." Like, cause it, it's always cool to me when you see somebody. I want to say it's like Morgan Freeman, right? Like, he's done a lot of great things in his life. And then you find out on accident, you're like, oh, did you know he was he was in the Air Force for like six years? Like, ideally, um, for legacy purposes, you'd like it to be like you made such a profound impact that when people look, you know, people, you know, do some digging and they find, oh, he used to serve. So that's just one part of his life. But that wasn't just mm-hmm. the apex of his existence was that the fact that he, you know, he served in the military. Yeah, it's exactly like that's exactly what I want to do in my life where it's like, you know, when it's all said and done. People are like, he did this. I'm like, no shit. Like, he didn't know, man. He was, he did so many other things. Like, you know, claim him, right? yeah, that's the cool thing is before yeah. people get pride in the fact that, like, not only that, we get to claim that because I think Chuck Norris was in the Air Force too. Like, they, you, you do something so spectacular that when people do research, they find out that you were in the military and they'd be like, gee whiz, you know, and that's just, yeah. you know, just one stop in their life. Yeah. And then that's like, that's where I'm heading for, you know, that's what I'm trying to look at for. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm planning out five, 10, 15 years of my life, that's what I'm looking to do is like, how can we have an impact where it's such an impact in my life and growing forward where never about the money. No one ever said, okay, he made, you know, 10 million. Don't care. Right. But you know, Hey, he did this. People are like, no shit. 
Wow. And kind of almost like, yeah, he has so many different, and that's what I'm, I think I'm doing in life is so many different chapters, you know, trying to do different things where people are sitting there saying like, oh, wow, you got into this. Yeah. I did that for a little bit. You know, I did it for a little bit. Yeah. I was in the air force for a little bit. Um, and then when it's all said and Not done, people logistics, just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Jack of all trades, man. Yeah. You know, and I, that's what, I, that's what it is. And that's what I find is kind of annoying. And I kind of want to ask that person who's always saying back in my day, it's kind of like, Hey man, did you, you know, I want to ask them that conversation. Like, did you just peek? Like, is yeah, that is, it? Is that what else are you doing in exactly. life? Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, and not to mention, like, I don't, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know how that's being embellished too. Like, you don't, there's always those lifters, you know, like from a, is that, you know, you lift as well, man. You know, those guys are like, Hey, you know, back when I used to bench like 380, like, all right, bro, there's no footage of that. Um, and that doesn't, that's not relevant now. You know what I mean? Don't be that right. guy. <laughs> Well, even so, it's like so much has gone by, you kind of forget. So you kind of almost start remembering what you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you start rewriting yeah. history to kind of fit your scenario. Like, I mean, last week you told me it was three, three, uh, 385. Now it was 405. Which one is it, man? Yeah. It keeps going up. And so it's like, you know, that's what that's what I'm looking for next is like the next chapter of my life is almost the legacy portion where, you know, I, I would like to be that guy. The same thing where it's like, hey, I didn't know this about you. That's crazy. Like, you don't ever talk about it. Like. Yeah, it was just something I did. Yeah. Is that how you feel like, is that what you kind of expect from retirement? Right, exactly. So, you know, one of the jokes I used to tell with my old supervisor was, um, you know, because first and foremost, speaking of retirement, I, I, I appreciate the fact that the military is allowing me to retire at 38 when, when the time comes or 39, right? Uh, I, I used to joke with my old supervisor, I never want to be that old, that old black guy in like a, a fucking Escalade or, or a red Mercedes, right? Um, I don't want to be that person that's past his prime. Now he has a little bit of money, right? And then like, he's trying to like relive the younger years of his life because he let it pass him by. And I think that's why it's important for me. Once I get out um, at that age, I'm still young enough to pursue my dreams. And it's just one, you know, it's just one chapter. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's important to me. Don't I don't want to be that guy in, in my like late sixties, early seventies, trying to now catch up to like or like check off the list on my bucket list. Like you, you, you've lived a, a fulfilled life already. You, you've had so many experiences that when when people come to you for mentorship, you can you you're not just reading, you're not just saying some shit you read. You've lived it. You you've been in the IT world. You've been in the logistics world. You 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 dealt with the with the politics of the Air Force, right? Like you 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 can speak from so many different platforms. You know what I mean? You've done things where you know. I remember you telling me a story back when you were in uh, Vegas and um, you had a bike club, but the bike club had an event and, and a location. You looked up, you were like down there in Compton, right? So like you've lived a life uh, that you can draw from those experiences and, and help others. Like you can legit, have, you've been there. You know, and that's, you know, speaking of that, you know, that was like, a, uh, I think a month from being out, you know, it was like, you know, two weeks in, two weeks from being out, I was already in a bar fight, you know, then I'm down the street walking Compton. It's like, it, it's like, it's, it's almost like, movie, it's like man. cool stories. Well, yeah, but it's also like, those are like fucking red flags at the red flags are like, Hey man, you're not, you're not heading the right direction. So when the movie takes a turn to that, it's like, no shit. Like we it's saw this coming. You know when, when the music stops, it's like, how do you think I got to this point? Well, let me yeah, think pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, but, but speaking on those experiences, man, it's, it's, um, it's so, I'm so grateful that I've actually been able to fuck it up so much. Right. Um, because I always feel like my military career was, I always say like I had a good career. Like I could have kept going on. Yep. Um, I just got my own way. Yep. 
but you know, I had a great career. And then, but when I left the air force, that's when I really started fucking up in life. Cause I never, you know, just like you high school and then military, yeah. I never had a really chance to fuck up life and kind of figure it out my way through it. It was figured out for me in a sense of you will do this, you'll be here, you'll, you know, shave, shine, polish, whatever. Right. And so as a 20, I think 27, 28 year old, as I got out, now we're dealing with real life. Now we're figuring out where life is. And that's the cool part about it. And the only reason why I can say it's cool is because we're not there no more. Yeah. We're not in the thick of things, you know, now we're, we're, we're now I'm worried about like investments. Yeah. You know, I'm worried about, am I teaching my kids about investing in my, you know, am I going to do, you know, set my kid up as a contractor so we can pay her to actually be part of my, like, right. like my clip for my social media. Like, are we, you know, is that what we're trying to do? Yeah. Like, that's what I'm stressing. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think it's crazy because, you know, the more, the more and more we we take the time to develop ourselves, man, and we read our read those books or listen to those audio books, man, you realize like you're humble enough to realize that there's a lot that you don't know, and you and you're still trying to figure life out. Whereas I think you know in my early years, and I'm pretty sure you might have to deal with this when you when you first got out. It's like you think you thought you had it figured out, and I think that's the biggest problem we have as men. Our ego makes us think like I got it. I'm gonna do this. Period. Nobody's gonna stop me. But like I said, the more I feel like the more I read, the more I learn, you know, the more not to sound too philosophical, the more you realize what you don't know. And it kind of it, it keeps you humble enough to not make some of those mistakes. Well, especially start asking questions. Yeah. You know, like I'll, I'll ask people like, hey, what do you think of this? They're kind of looking at me like, I don't know. Like, it's like I generally don't know the question or if I do. I'm kind of dumb enough to know that I don't know the whole spectrum of it. Right. So I'm kind of, you know, like smart enough to know that I'm dumb. Yeah. And. You know, that that's has helped me out a lot is mm -hmm. kind of going to people. Yeah. You're right. Because, you know, it's like, man, I know I don't know enough. And people are like, oh, and what I've noticed for me, at least, is if you're willing to help yourself out and someone else knows that you're trying to help, they will help you out, give you information mm -hmm. and freely. Right. And so with that one, you know, as we start wrapping this stuff up, I want to start knowing what are some things that you as you reflect on your entire life right now? It's kind of weird. It's not a movie or anything like yeah. that, but. <laughs> You know, as you mentioned, books and those things, if there is somebody that is, you know, the next generation up and coming, coming up and they're looking at things and you've already hinted at the books, what are some things that you have kind of refined over the time? So you can sit there and say, OK, once you have an issue, either PTSD, uh, depression or just getting in trouble, what are some things that you think are some good ways to help people out? Uh, from my experience? Yeah, man, I think it's really um and I know this may not apply to everyone because I, I would consider myself uh, pretty extroverted. Right. Like I. I enjoy my own company, but at the same time, I don't have any problem reaching out to individuals and I don't feel anxiety in big crowds. But I think um, regardless if you're introverted or extroverted, just get a, a core a core group of friends, right, that you can rely on. And it, it may not even be friends. It may be family just so you can vent to, man, because, again, we all don't have the um, we, we may not have the best therapist, but who knows? One of your friends could be that that source. Right. Um, like I was talking about that high achieving troop that I have. Um, that's doing a lot better now. He didn't really have the great, greatest relationship with his therapist, but him talking to uh, me and other friends and family and his brother actually helped him get through that that, that rough patch, man. So I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, getting a, a support system, man, because no matter how macho you think you are, man, you can't do this shit solo, man. Like, like legit, man, whether it's, and for me, it's, 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 it's not just that. It's like that and developing a routine. For me, it's working out. So a combination of, Working out, having a good support system, and then I'm not sure from people's religious standpoints, but I think that um, having something to believe in 
as well um, helps, right? So if you're not really religious, I think you can just, I think, I think you don't necessarily need to be religious to be spiritual. So you just have something bigger than yourself that you can draw to, man, because it's scary. If you don't believe in anything, which I'm not judging you for, but if you don't believe in anything, what's to stop you from when it's time to like, have a gun to your head? Like, if you don't believe in any consequences, then it's easier to just disappear, right? So try to find uh, something that, that grounds you. Like, one of the things that I tell people that aren't religious, like, I have heroes that aren't necessarily just Jesus, right? So, for example, there's a movie that, uh, it's pretty old, but um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time it's called Gladiator, right? And the thing that, that stuck with me in the, the beginning scene, he said, uh, what we do in this lifetime echoes in eternity, right? Like, that one part, it wasn't even supposed to be a big part, but it fucking, it's profound as shit because, like, if you take that, you know, anything that I do right now could affect my grandkids because I was being a fucking idiot, you know what I mean? Uh, so, again, you don't necessarily need to be spiritual, but find something that, that gives you purpose, uh, get get a, a mentor or friends around you, and then find another way that's not, like, drugs or alcohol um, to, to, to kind of get your mind off shit. For me, it's, you know, it's working out. But I mean, I guess now weed's legal, so if that helps too, I'm, I'm not going to knock you if you're in like Colorado or wherever else. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think I, right. like troops are like they're, they're giving them prescription now. Though for what? For like marijuana. Uh, I, I've read like maps. Like there's a maps organization that does like they're doing trials and they're trying to do some um, some like things that I've seen for like veterans. Right. But you do get drug tested at the VA. So like, oh, wow. um, so you can yeah. even, man, so, so those, okay. Cause I've, I've heard success stories with it. I mean, obviously I don't, I don't doubt myself, but I've, I've heard that that can actually clinically help. And it really yeah. Even deal with that, you know? There's some psychedelics that they're talking about that can help out. Yeah. They can, there's, you know, there's, there's cer certain psychedelics that can just try to help rewire yeah. or kind of really dealt with those, you know, cause you did talk about the whole, you know, I don't deserve to have this title put over me cause it means this. Right. And so that's a lot of shit to deal with, man. That's a lot of fucking pressure to because you you have an assumption of what it is. Yeah, exactly. And then and you don't, and then you and then you feel like you don't fit that bill. So now you feel like I don't deserve this type of thing that you're telling me I have. Yeah, exactly. For, I mean, and it makes you in denial. I think for me that's what it was. I was really in denial. I didn't think I could have it because I'm like, well, I didn't kill anybody or I didn't witness right. anybody get their, their their head blown off. So it couldn't be that because I think I had a narrow view of what it was. You know what I mean? Um, but over time, I realized that it's, it's way more complex than that. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, being in the military, I was around individuals that's, they, they've been in situations where they've had to give medical service to individuals that got their legs blown off. And they were like talking about, they were talking to them about having tea because they were like freaking out. You know what I mean? Like their brain was somewhere else. So I think of the, about those people when I think PTSD, I don't think about individuals like me that, um, you know, with, with my job title. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, more awareness needs to come because you know the fucking videos where like, the commercials and people we're talking to it's like that does not fit us and so we automatically think that has to be us you know like when i was in balad you know it was one of the ones where it's like if you're air force you're staying on base you don't go outside the wire at all but you're going to be attacked left and right yeah. and so you kind of come home and you're like okay yeah i saw some crazy shit you know you see people come in and there's some other things but it's kind of like Again, I didn't, I wasn't even outside. They didn't even trust us with fucking weapons outside the wire. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we are. And it's just, you know, it just, it is what it is. But that's not, that's not what the job title said it was, right? So we're just on base. Yeah. And so the story when, that I heard, which is crazy to this day, 
right? So um, my LT, right? Uh, I was on my last deployment and he told me, he was like, man, I get really, really, really bad anxiety when I'm on like military aircrafts because during his last deployment, you know, six months prior or a year prior, he was like the, the aircraft that went out right before his, the entire, the entire aircraft crashed. And all the people that were on the rotation before him that he grew a great relationship with, they all died. Like everybody died. So it's just like, again, these are little instances where, no, we didn't necessarily, you know, he wasn't in a firefight, man, but that's the type of shit that'll really stick with you, man. Like those relationships, Mm -hmm. you understand deployments or even uh, two year uh, assignment, you go, you get close to people. Prime example, us, like we, we met on a two year assignment and it's fucking 13 years later and we're, we're, we're still here. Right. So it's like, imagine developing that type of relationship with an individual and they're on their way home. And you're expecting to see a Facebook post of them in the airport and then th- that military aircraft explodes. So do you, you tell me I don't, like, it doesn't, I'm not warranted to have PTSD from that. So it's like, yeah, we got to change that stigma. Yeah. And the sad part, it's, it's, it's us. It's like, it's not like, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, it's, no, no one else is telling us yeah. it's, it's either us or our other like military guys are like, nah, you know, shit in our head. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, like I, I was at dinner a couple weeks ago. And so, you know, we're there talking or whatever, and I'm quiet and my wife's with me and we're, you know, and so someone was like, Hey, was he, you know, was my friend always like this in high school? And I was like, I don't know. I, you know, I really don't remember. I have a really bad memory. I don't really remember much. And so someone was kind of like, why? And this, you know, this lady was like, well, he's seen so much that he's fucked up in the head. I'm like, Jesus, wow. man. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, okay. Yeah. I'm fucked up in the head and shit like that. But you know, let, let's let me talk about this <laughs> shit. Like you're over here, right, right. you know? If I, if I don't cut you off, I feel like, man, I'm about to sit there. You're going to tell me like, yeah, I saw these things. I killed people. Yeah, it's like, yo, yeah, it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, like, Hey, let's, let's keep it down. You know, I am a regular guy. I'm a regular GI Joe in that sense. And that was kind of the sense of the podcast, man. It's like, you know, your story, you know, my other friend's stories. It's like, some of us were legit in combat. There are some people who were in combat and there are some people who weren't. Yeah. I have a friend who didn't never deployed. You know, I've had one friend who's deployed and it was to Honduras for six months. Yeah. You know, some people, you know, some people get the luck of the draw. Some people don't. Yeah. But the sad part is we're always real quick. We're our own worst enemies to sit there and say like, nope, you know, because you didn't kill no one, you don't deserve it. It's like the VA doesn't even see it like that. You know what I mean? Like they don't even look at it like that. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're our own worst friends. It's, yeah. it's horrible. But with that, man, again, I want to thank you for coming on, man. I think you highlighted a lot of issues that. Hey, I didn't know about some of those things either, too. So I'm glad we had this conversation, right. and especially because there's some people that are there's some still military guys that are still in and this is affecting them and they're and they're going to keep it with them and they're not going to do it. They're going to start drinking. They're going to get in trouble. And worst case scenario, they get DUI. Now they're out the door yeah. and they didn't understand the root cause was yeah, no, they. Yeah, right. And so, again, man, I want to thank you for being so vulnerable with that, man. I'm so happy to see where your head's at. I'm so happy every time I talk to you to know and. You know, like I flew into the States and I asked you like, hey, I'm coming here. And first thing, cool, man, you got a place. You got there. You had food for us. You had a place to stay. You know, my kid, my daughters play with your kids. Um, you know, it, it was it's family. You're always family to me. So I'm so happy to hear where you're at. And man, thank you again. So um, I de- I mean, that's I de- it. I definitely appreciate you for, for, for having me, man. And um, congrats on the platform. Congrats on your success, man. And just like how, I, I, you know, you came to my house, man. Um, I appreciate the you know, the wealth of knowledge you, you gave me, man, you definitely gave me a lot of game and a lot of that stuff stuck with me. And I think more importantly for the for the listeners out there, man, to know that you're, you're more, you're not all talk. Like 
I'd say about 80% of the things that we spoke about, I think, I don't know if it was even a year ago, um, you've done it like legitimately, you know, and that, that doesn't happen a lot. So man, shout out to you for that. All right, man. Well, thanks, man. I'm about to start hitting record, right? All right. All right, cool, man. Thank you, man. I paused it. Um,